Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you for a movie month and anniversary month. We haven't done this, I think, since 2020. It's been a while (laughs) since we've done this, or 2019, one of them. uh, I feel it was 2020, wasn't it? We know what we're doing here on the show. We do too many of these episodes. Uh, but we're excited to finally bring back a movie month and uh, one of our favourites we do every year, except for 2021, Anniversary Month. A special one this year. We are doing four movies from the same year for the first time, celebrating the 20th anniversary of four great movies from the great year that was 2002, the year that Salt Lake City hosted the Olympics, the year that Manchester hosted the Commonwealth Games, the year that Korea and Japan hosted the World Cup, and the year that Toronto Maple Leafs didn't win the Stanley Cup once again. <laughs> Memorable year for so many reasons, and we are starting off with what the esteemed film critic Ben Waterworth called the 11th greatest movie of all time. (laughs) It is About a Boy, starring Hugh Grant, Nicholas Holt, Tony Collette, Rachel Weisz, and a bunch of other people that you go, hey, it's that person, I remember them, (laughs) or hey, they look slightly familiar, are they in something else? Uh, A great film, great soundtrack, so much to talk about this film because as you hear the song, ooh, something to talk about. There's lots of stuff to talk about. I'm so excited. I'm pumped. Get ready. My name is Ben, and I couldn't possibly think of a worse godfather for Casper. You know me. I'll drop him off at <laughs> christening. I'll forget his birthday until he's 18, when I'll take him out, get him drunk, and possibly, let's face it, you know, try and shag him. I mean, seriously, it's a very, very bad choice. Uh, and that line, when I watched the movie, reminded me of you for some reason. Uh- <laughs> Yes, my my name is Colin, and I'm not a bad mother. I'm just a barking lunatic. <laughs> just reminded me of that whole section when it's like Noah's daughter, eighteen. Like, who's the worst person you want showing up at the door? And I did that. You. you. Like, <laughs> um, I love this movie so much, and the the weird thing is, a lot of what I love about this movie is I relate to like so many people in this movie. Like the two main characters in this movie. Are me like I swear both of them are me like there's this weird connection that I am both Marcus and Will and I love it I absolutely <laughs> love it and this is I think why I love this movie so much because I relate to these two so much and it's just like the perfect Ben Waterworth movie because this is a biopic on me uh, so <laughs> this is Kill Feel 3 all over again but I fucking love this film I had this at the 11th my 11th most best movie or I guess you'd say 11th favorite movie of all time um, every time I watch this film, I just absolutely love it even more. Like it just goes by in a flash. Um, I love Hugh Grant. I love Nicholas Holt. I love Tony Collette. I love Rachel. I love, there's nothing about this movie that I dislike. And I, I don't know whenever we do these films that like one of us or both of us absolutely love if this is better or worse, but 
Yeah, I mean, this this movie is just fantastic. Yeah, I mean, this movie didn't make my top 50, uh, but it was one of these things when you had it on your list, I'm like, oh, oh. Uh, I, I probably, made, maybe it would make my top 100. I don't know. Like, I, I love this movie too. Uh, but I, I remember seeing this movie and it, I, I wouldn't go as far as say, like, I am both these characters, but I think what I always loved about this movie is that it was a movie that I think a lot of guys could relate to. And it's so funny, like, we again live in this age where everybody's like, oh, we got to have strong female characters and stuff like that. But like, yes, movies have been in certain genres dominated by men, but in this type of genre, in like character dramas, you could group in romantic comedies. Uh, you don't really find a lot of strong male characters because this is not typically the genre that is made about men. I mean, a movie like this, this type of film would typically star a woman you know and, and so a woman. i remember seeing a woman uh but i remember seeing this movie and it's sort of being like it's like yeah you know they don't make a lot of movies like this for guys and i think that's what i love about the movie uh i've seen every episode of the uh, slightly above adequate television uh adaptation they did not the uh not the the unmade ken quapis one but the uh the <laughs> one that lasted like two seasons with mini driver uh i i think this is one of these movies that i don't realize how many times i've seen it until i had to watched this yesterday and I found myself sometimes doing other things and still in the background being like, yeah. And then this line comes next. Oh, let me write down that one. Cause I don't remember it. And like half of my notes were taken care of. Cause I'm like, I know this movie by heart. It's, it's, it's a movie that I often forget how much I love and also forget how many times I've seen it, but I'm completely with you. Like this movie is a classic and I'm kind of surprised that yes, it has a good reputation 20 years later, but I'm kind of surprised that this movie never really went down as like an all-time classic. I mean, mm. this movie is arguably the, I will say the best thing Hugh Grant ever made. And I'll include four weddings and a funeral in this. This is the best Hugh Grant has ever been. I'm I'm a man. I always like feel like I undersell my love of Hugh Grant. Like if I listed my top 10 favorite actors, he's probably in my top 10 favorite actor, actors and actresses. Like I just, I love him so much. And I, I love him as that, an actress too. Yeah. Yeah. Actor so or good, actress. He's good man or woman. <laughs> exactly. Um, he's a good man. He's a good woman. Um, <laughs> but like, he's just, he's so good. And like, he kind of, it always, he's one of these actors where it's like, he's got such a stereotype around him. Like he's a, oh, 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 goodness me. Oh, oh, darling yeah. love. I love you. Like he's kind of got that from the nineties, but like outside of the nineties, he's done so many other things that are so different that people never realize. Like he was on the cusp of an Academy Award nomination a few years for that one with Meryl Streep. And a lot of people said that he got robbed of not even at least being nominated for it. And he does a lot of stuff. I mean, I always bring it up somehow, but Cloud Atlas, like, the guy plays about five different characters in that. Like, he's fantastic in that film. So there's so much about this guy. There's race. He's kind of like an Adam Sandler or a Jim Carrey where they're always known for one type of acting and they're never given their due when they do something that's not their stereotype. And he's like, this was really the first one that he did that wasn't this bumbling, oh, goodness me, I'm Hugh Grant, like, type of movie. And it's so different. Like, it's like he's he's a dick. He's an absolute dick, but, like, I think you summed that up really, really good when you said, like, you don't really get movies like this for men where it's this is how there are different layers of men. It's the the Shrek argument, the layers of onions. But, like, you know, you kind of got this guy who's, like, the whole world is, like, I'm an island and I do this in quotes, quotas and all this sort of stuff. And then the thing that I also think it just works so well is that you've got, like, this little boy who is – got certain issues with his mom and just kind of fitting him with school and all that sort of stuff. Like, you know, for all the men listening, and let's be honest, pretty much no women listen to this show. So all of our <laughs> listeners who are listening right now that like, 
as men, we do have these sort of things in school. Like, I was very much like Marcus. Like, you know, this is, again, where I can relate so much to this movie. So it's just done so well. I mean, Nicholas Holt now is a, is a big star. Potentially, could it be James Bond? Who knows? Um, Tony Collette, like, I mean, this was, what, three years removed from The Sixth Sense? Um, and she, she's the female Guy Pearce to me. She is this Australian actor who is so good and so underrated and often forgotten about how good they are. So there you go. That's my weird Australian connection there for, for poor old Tony. But, I mean, just everything about this movie just just works. Um, and, I mean, also, too, Nick Hornby, the, the guy who wrote the book, oh, who yeah. has apparently been listed as the 29th most influential person by in British culture by the BBC... I mean, look at some of his other work that he's done that has been turned into films, most notably uh, High Fidelity and Fever Pitch, or, of course, as that's known in Australia, The Perfect Catch. Um, I mean, I love... I actually watched that only probably, like, two months ago, um, and then I've actually never seen High Fidelity. But, like, I mean, this guy is pretty good at writing shit, and so he's turned this into a good movie. And, yeah, I'm with you. I'm surprised this doesn't get more love. I mean, it got nominated for an Oscar. We'll talk about that. But I've never watched any of the TV adaption adaptations because I just I kind of don't want to. It's kind of like when you find out there's a Ferris Bueller TV show out there or um, a League of Their Own, which now they've just done another TV show. Like to me, I love the movie so much that it's just like, eh, no, nah, I'm fine. I don't need to ruin my love of the movie by watching a subpar TV show. So I, I don't kind of want to watch the TV show ever because I just love this movie so much. The one thing I'll say in defense of the TV show is that I would consider it almost more of a sequel. I mean, it's 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 not a sequel to this movie. What they do is the first episode basically is telling this movie in 22 minutes. And then everything that happens after that, it, it, you, you don't treat it so much in comparing it to the, the original because it's like, oh, well, this is like what, what it would be like. It's almost like the closing scene of this movie. And then you're doing that for another you know year and a half afterwards. Uh, but uh, two things to comment on. One, one with Hugh Grant, like I, I completely agree with you. I am a massive Hugh Grant fan. And uh, it was actually the movie Nine Months. Uh, Nine Months was when I was growing up. To me, that and Dumb and Dumber were the two funniest movies I'd ever seen. Like, I I probably laughed harder in Nine Months than I did in Dumb and Dumber. I mean, I would consider Dumb and Dumber a funnier movie, but like, there are moments in Nine Months where like I actually had tears in my eyes. I can remember being in the theater with my stepbrother, and neither of us really thought much about, oh, is this movie going to be any good? And we literally had tears in our eyes. We were laughing so hard. Uh, and because of that, I mean, I started watching, I, I watched Foreign is at a Funeral because of nine months. Uh, I watched Sense and Sensibility. As a teenage boy, <laughs> I watched Sense and Sensibility because wow. of Hugh Grant and Hans Gruber, Alan Rickman's in it. Uh, but the, I would watch anything that Hugh Grant was in. And I, I think the only one I bothered to skip was, what was uh, Two Weeks Notice, um, the one with Sandra Bullock, which I heard That's was okay. Bad. Yeah. And That's then, fine. um, yeah, and I, I still don't think I've ever seen Notting Hill. He was in Notting Hill, right? Oh, like that's the that's the one that like baffles me. Like Notting Hill to me, outside of this, is his best movie. Notting Hill is brilliant. I, yeah. d- I d- nearly made my top fifty. I think American Beauty got the nod over Notting Hill, but Notting Hill is probably fifty-one on my list. I love Notting Hill. Yeah, and I could never explain to you why I never watched Notting Hill. It's just this, one of these things I never got around. You like to. it? I think you. Um, I see you liking that movie, but. Uh, there was another movie he did after this music and lyrics, which is like the, mm. the mo- to me, the most underrated movie. Hugh Grant movie. Like th- that, that movie is so fantastic. Uh, but yeah, like he, uh, it, the funny thing is he had Bridget Jones diary 
which I think came out only a couple months before this, or maybe within a year yeah. of this movie coming yeah, out. 2001. That wasn't, yeah, that wasn't his movie, but you could tell, like, I remember at the time being like, why is Hugh Grant signing on for a supporting, not even the lead male in the movie, but like the supporting male in a movie like this. And I don't think I saw Bridget Jones till after this movie, but then you realize like he was going for something in his career. He wanted to yeah. bring a little bit of edge to himself. He wanted to shed the image of the, the bumbling, you know, uh, prissy British man. Uh, and he did it so well that like now you almost expect Hugh Grant to be about a boy Hugh Grant half the time. Like when, when you see him being charming Hugh Grant again, you're like, oh, this is like old school, I guess. Uh, now, as far as Nick Hornby goes, uh, to me, it's it's always weird that that um, he had like this brief period where you got to turn everything Nick Hornby wrote into a book. Like, I don't know. I I, I didn't, I thought that the, uh, the, the Jimmy Fallon version was average, mostly because Jimmy I've Fallon, even Jimmy the British Fallon, version. Have you seen the British version? The, I've seen the British version, yeah, which I think is a better movie, um, but Part of that is just because, I mean, Jimmy Fallon himself says, like, he's not a good actor. He's like, I should never have tried to do movies. Uh, yeah. but although that is the best thing Jimmy Fallon arguably did in movies. But, uh, yeah, High Fidelity, Fever Pitch, Twice, and then About a Boy. Like, it, it, I don't know if you um, have ever watched a lot of the John Grisham movies, but, like, in the 90s, there was basically a new movie based on a John Grisham book every single year. Like, you had The Firm, and the next year you had The Pelican Brief, and then The Client, and then A Time to Kill. It. And, then, and then all of a sudden it just stopped. It's like you had a new John Grisham adaptation every single year and then they just stopped making them. And it's like, it's been 20 years since they had one. And that to me, that's kind of like what happened with Nick Hornby. Like he was, he was such a product of the early two thousands. And then all of a sudden you just, I don't know if he just stopped writing books that were marketable or people just stopped trying to turn his things into movies, but like it was a big deal. I mean, at the time this came out, I'm pretty sure if we went back and watched the trailers, it would say based on the novel from the author of high fidelity, like that yeah. was one of the selling points of this movie is that Nick Hornby was such a big deal. So, I mean, if, if he's got, I'm, I don't think I've read any of his books, but if he's got more out there, let's make more movies. Cause I mean, all three of those movies, fever pitch, high fidelity about a boy, all fantastic movies. This the best of the three though. Uh, yeah. When I watched again, it's so weird calling it fever pitch. Cause it's just so known as perfect catch in Australia. Champions. But like- yeah, <laughs> I, ne- I never forget the trailer for that movie when Lindsay met Ben and I'm like no like that's my sister and it's like, like what's going on um, oh, it still awkward. just freaks me out because I just remember that trailer and just that turned me off watching that movie for so long but it's actually like it's a pretty and like yeah Jimmy Fallon can't act but there's something about Jimmy Fallon that he's just so likable that even when he can't yeah. act you can watch his movies you know like it's mm-hmm. kind of it's it still works but um, I'd love to do that on on the show that's a, that's a good movie um but yeah it's it's interesting like with Hugh because yeah Bridget Jones it was a big step away so that's probably yeah the first one where he really wasn't Hugh Grant but like I mean I it took me a while to see Four Weddings and a Funeral and I'll be honest I think it's a tad overrated I I it's got its parts I in it that are good but it's like it's a it's, great movie but it's not a classic as far as yeah I don't ever get why it's so loved um I've never seen Nine Months um mickey blue eyes i think i saw oh. and that was that was okay. rest in peace james con you know it's so funny everybody's talking about james james con died james con died right and i'm like oh yeah of course the godfather next to the godfather the first thing that always comes around with james con <laughs> is mickey blue eyes and i had to tell people like nobody remembers this movie but watch it mickey blue eyes great movie. I, I love how everybody's like oh you know and elf was like i mean i guess he's yeah. prominent in elf but you know that but yeah notting hill Always, always love that. Bridget Jones, sorry, two weeks notice. I actually, yeah, it's it's decent. It's just, it's standard. It's harmless. It's nothing bad, nothing brilliant. Love actually. Like I love him being oh, the prime man. minister. And which can I just say, I'm sorry. Like I see these revisionist articles of love actually about how it's filled with horrible people. It is 
filled with horrible people. But I love how they get there and they always label Hugh Grant as like the worst because he's a predator going after his secretary. Watch the movie. She's the one who basically pursues him for the most part. Yeah. Everyone else in that movie is a hundred times worse than Hugh Grant. So justice <laughs> for the prime minister in that movie. Um, music and lyrics, I'm with you. Love that movie. Uh, did you hear about the Morgans? Is kind oh, of like that's a bad one. <laughs> I actually like it because it's kind of like. Oh. Did you ever? What was the Tim Allen Kirsty Alley one in the nineties, which was basically oh, the for same? Richer or poorer. Like it's basically that, but like I not also Amish. didn't like that one either. See, I like both of them. Um, Cloud Atlas. Again, let's always talk <laughs> about that somehow. Uh, didn't realize he's in the Man from Uncle. Um, and then everyone talks about Paddington 2 being so good. I mean, just watch the Nicolas Cage movie about how good Paddington 2 is. Uh, and then apparently, The Gentleman. Have you seen The Gentleman yet? I Patrick haven't Connie? seen The Gentleman, no. Uh, but I've yeah, heard he's, he's a scummy character in that one too. Fun. Because the one he nearly got nominated for an Oscar for was... Um, uh, uh, where has it gone? Ah, um, oh, I just had a Florence Foster Jenkins is the one of that oh, yeah. one that like got all the talk for that one. But he did, what was that one he did where he, uh, did he get nominated for an Emmy or something? Was it um like a very English scandal or something yeah. where he was like, um he's played like, was it a politician who was like in a homosexual relationship or something like that? Like got a yeah, lot of I ha- buzz I haven't around started watching this week, but we were, we were actually talking just like two or three nights ago. Like, oh, should we check this show out? Yeah, apparently that's really good. And then I'm seeing here that there's a movie coming out that has been co-written, co-produced, and starring Jerry Seinfeld. It's called Unfrosted, The Pop-Tart Story, to which the premise says Kellogg's and post-consumer brands compete to see if anyone can produce a breakfast pastry before another. Uh, I've got Jerry Seinfeld, Melissa McCarthy, Amy Schumer, oh, yay, uh, Hugh Grant, James Marsden's in it. Um, so that sounds interesting, but yeah, Hugh Grant, just amazing. Um, and I, this, there was a lot of, I remember him doing a lot of interviews in the early 2000s where he was like, like, he, I think he nearly retired from acting cause he was just basically like, I'm so sick of being this like bumbling British, like, Oh, 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 like C-3PO mm-hmm. type person. And so that's why I think he did <laughs> movies <that>? like this. <laughs> he did movies like this to distance himself cause he was getting so sick of it. And like, I remember he had like this real reputation for a while there. We're like, Oh, he's terrible to interview because he's such a prick. And it's like, well, yeah. Cause he's typecast and he's sick of playing the same character, but that's all that people will watch him in. Did you, uh, the one you missed in there, uh, and I I forgot this movie existed until I'm like, wait, well, there was another one. The one, the, um, uh, American Dreams, it was like an American Idol type. Yeah, thing I never saw it. I, I don't know why I didn't see it, but I, I think it was like one of these ones where it was like, like his music and lyrics, uh, not music and lyrics, um, uh, two weeks notice, it took a while for me to see it, but it was kind of like one of these ones. It was like, oh, I really want to see it, Hugh Grant, but I just never got it. I've never seen it, so I don't know if that's any good or not. Yeah. No, it's it's decent. I mean, of his music movies he made, music and lyrics is the better one. Oh, music that. and lyrics is brilliant. I love that movie. He's but also Nicholas got that Hulk- other movie that's coming out. That that like I don't know if it's like a treasure hunter movie, the Operation something or other. Uh, I don't know about that one. I need to maybe. I need oh. to. I'm clearly a massive fan because I'm clearly following that. <laughs> I, I will say with Nicholas Holt, just looking at his oh. filmography, considering that he's like become really like a, a big name nowadays. Very like. Just looking at him now, this guy's an attractive man today. Like, this movie, you know, like, he's changed a lot. Um, But I actually don't think I've seen him in anything else. That's, like, even looking at this. So Mad um, Max? No, I've never seen Mad Max. Um, um, The Bill? I used to watch The Bill every now and then. (laughs) Go to The Bill, he's in Skins. Oh, apparently he's in Skins. I watched some of that. Oh, yeah. That was, like, his first big breakthrough I think he had when he 
got older. Um, Nicholas Holt, uh, I- I'm a big Nicholas Holt fan. Like he is a fantastic actor. Um, I am not as big of a Nicholas Holt fan as Jamie is, but for Jamie, it's of for course. other reasons. Ja- Jamie, Jamie would probably put Nicholas Holt in her top 10. Uh, and it's funny because every time we see him in something, she's always like, oh, I like this guy. He's so hot. And I'm like, you know, he was the geeky kid about a boy, right? He goes, yeah, well, he aged nicely. <laughs> it's the same <laughs> response, same exchange we have every single time. Uh, I mean, obviously the X-Men movies, I mean, he's one of the better things in like the X-Men, the first class series. Uh, but Mad Max, like <laughs> you want to see Nicholas Holt do something really crazy and really different. Check that out. And the only other big blockbuster, I mean, he's, he's more of like a good actor now. But the the one big blockbuster he had was uh, after um, X-Men came out, he basically became Brian Singer's new muse. So Brian Singer, uh, muse, I, well. I, I know I. I know somebody, I don't know if they'll be listening to this. I was going to say, I don't, there's somebody who's listening to this episode who long before any accusation that Brian Singer came out, they said, he's trying to get Brian, he's trying to get Nicholas Holt in bed. Like uh, Brian Singer's got a thing for Nicholas Holt, but Jack, the giant slayer, which nobody really remembers this movie. Nobody really thought that that much about the movie that came out. That movie is so much fun. Ewan McGregor is just ridiculously good in that movie too. Uh, very over the top movie. If you're looking at, it, it, obviously it isn't a Disney movie, but the way these Disney live action movies take these fairy tales, do a lot. To me, Jack the Giant Slayer is what Disney should be doing with their live action movies. But yeah, Nicholas Holt, like it, it, it's crazy that the geeky kid from About a Boy turned out to be Nicholas Holt because yeah. you know, people shedding their image. Like, I mean, Skins, obviously, I mean, the, he he really shed his image there. And, and everything he's done since, like Mad Max, like he is, he is such a, respectable and yet like gritty actor. And I don't think he, even as beast, I, I, I remember hearing complaints when people were talking about when the X-Men came out, like I don't buy Nicholas Holt as a geek. And I'm like, you saw about a boy, right? <laughs> like he's got it in him. He can do it. <laughs> he, I always get him confused with, um, who's the kid from Billy Elliot. He became a thing too. And he, Oh, sort of Jamie looks, Bell. Yeah. Yeah. Like to me, they kind of very similar that they kind of shed this image. I mean, he looks a lot more like little Billy Elliot, like looking at him now, like you can kind of see it. Whereas like, I mean, you can see it sort of in Nicholas Holt's face, but just quickly, just random on a tangent. Um, listen to 007. Nicholas Holt is Bond. Yes or no? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. And, and it's funny because you mentioned Jamie Bell, both Billy Elliot and this came out very close to each other. Uh, both guys, Jamie Bell and Nicholas Holt, you know, names thrown around for Bond. Both could pull it off. Uh, you want to be Bond, start out as a geeky teenager in British films. and <laughs> Maybe you got a shot at it. Yeah. What was in Daniel Craig in uh, The Power of One or whatever it was? The, yeah. Yeah. So there you go. The Nazi. Uh, just <laughs> touching on the directors and the screen. So, actually, just so did you notice that Robert De Niro is a producer of this movie? Did you see that I, in the opening credits? I was like, what? Robert De Niro? Many, okay. Yeah. As many times as I've seen this movie, I don't think I ever caught that until I watched it a few days ago. Yeah. So that was kind of weird. But uh, so Paul, is it Vites? Is that how you say their name? Um, So Paul and Chris Vites, who directed American Pie. um, So they kind of had history on that. Um, I mean, looking at their filmography, they kind of seem to be these uh, people who kind of have a couple of early hits in their career. Then one movie comes along and then they go off the rails. So thanks, uh, Daniel Craig. Paul White's, yes, um, when it came, and Chris White's had uh, the Golden Compass, then he did the Twilight Saga, New Moon. Uh, he was a writer on Rogue One. Um, there you go. Um, and then he's a writer currently on that Pinocchio one that's about to be on Disney Plus with Tom Hanks oh. in it. Whereas Paul White's, um, he was a writer on Ants. Oh, they both were writers on Ants. I like that. The better of the two bug movies yeah, from the late I 90s. Agree. 
Uh, he was also a writer on Nutty Professor 2, The Clumps, the, the very bad su- sequel to the first Nutty Professor. Uh, but he also directed uh, American Dreams, did Paul Weitz. And he also directed uh, Little Fockers. Yeah, that was a sad end to um, <laughs> the Meet the Parents trilogy. So, I mean, do you know much about sort of them? Um, and then also I should yes. mention Peter Hedges, who is the other screenwriter. He went on to write and direct a random movie that I really like, Dan in Real Life. I think we talked about that recently, Steve Carell movie, which uh, often doesn't get the love it deserves. It's a, quite a good movie, Dan in Real Life, so I recommend that one. Yeah, no, Peter Hedges, there was something recently that he did. He also did What's that, Eating uh, Gilbert Grape. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, the Odd Life of Timothy Green. Jamie and I reviewed that earlier this year for Jennifer Garner Month. Um, and he did I mean, he's back he's, with a Julia Roberts movie. There you go. Apparently I went yeah, somewhere. Well, <laughs> and his son, his son, Lucas Hedges, has actually become uh, quite a successful actor. He, he got... I don't know. Did you ever watch Manchester by the Sea with uh, Casey Affleck? I did not know. Yeah. So Lucas Hedges, his son, uh, got nominated for an Oscar in that movie. But uh, yeah, I think he's obviously had <laughs> a more respectable career. It's so funny with the Whites Brothers, because I remember when this movie came out, it looked so good. But like people are almost immediately dismissive because it's the guys who did American Pie, you know, and uh you add to the fact that I think they're American, but like, if you actually look up, like they basically were raised in England. So I mean, they're, they're semi-British enough, uh, but th- for whatever reason, yeah, they did not turn this movie into what the, cause this isn't just like, uh, I, I remember uh, the exact same year, 2002, Brett Ratner, the guy who had done rush hour. Uh, um, he did uh, red dragon, the Hannibal Lecter movie, mm, which was mm-hmm. technically a remake. And when that movie came out, like people were like, wow, it's actually impressive that Brett Ratner made a good movie. Uh, it, you know, not oh. necessarily a great movie, but a good movie that he has it in him to do something that's not just cheap entertainment. And th- that's kind of the way I viewed about a boy too. It's like, oh, well, these guys, maybe they'll turn into, um, who's the, the, the Fairley brother who directed the Oscar winning movie, the oh, yeah. Green Book. Yeah. yeah. Like it'll be one of those success stories, but like, no, they've kind of just slid backwards. I mean, really the only thing that I, re- I remember them doing the Golden Compass or one of them doing the Golden Compass. I don't remember which one. Uh, oh, that would be Chris. And then I remember, yeah. And then I remember the names attached to Star Wars because uh, I think they they took over when, was it Lord and Miller, the um, the the guys, uh, Lego movie guys or whatever, uh, were fired off the movie. So yeah, they kind of, or no, sorry, that wasn't, so. that was Solo. Um, Who's the other guy? Um Rogue One guy, whatever. Yeah, yep. the, the, that, that the, guy. Obviously, obviously, Star Wars has a problem with having to fire and replace people and do last minute rewrites. But yeah, it's it's unfortunate because I, I kind of wish that they would have a chance to do a movie like about a boy again, uh, because everything else they're associated with, it, aside from American Dreams, which I would definitely American Dreams is probably the closest thing that they've made to something like about a boy, like a character drama. But yet, American Dreams to me is still it's a parody, it's a comedy. It is not really like about a boy in any way. I can't believe that these are the guys who did American Pie. Like, it's, I mean, I love American Pie. American Pie is a, you know, it's its one of these ones that I think gets overshadowed by the, the sequels and all the of those, like, weird B-list movies that have come from it. It's like the National Lampoon movies, right? But it's like, there's something about that first American. I mean, you haven't seen it. Probably it's too sexual for oh, Colin. I saw it. Uh, you didn't get I any of it, though. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean they're going to lose their virginity at prom? I don't understand what they're doing. Um, but, like, I think... I think a lot of people now are saying that American Pie has got a lot of heart to it. And it's got a lot of, you know, there's a lot more to that movie than just a gross out comedy that people think it is. But um, yeah, it's so weird to think that the guys who did American Pie did this movie. Um, Just quickly, two things I want to touch on. Obviously we really need to mention when do we first see this movie, all that sort of stuff, but just the soundtrack 
Uh, so badly oh. drawn boy. Now, never heard of them outside of this movie. Um, it's actually one person, <laughs> so not a band. <laughs> um, but he basically does the entire soundtrack, I think, doesn't he? But the yeah. song about a boy, like, holy crap, I love that song. And I just forget how much I love that song. You hear it at the oh, opening, yeah. you hear it at the end. And I used to, growing up, I listened to this, well, the ABC in Australia. So it's like Australia's BBC or Australia's CBC. Um, and, like, I used to listen to ABC radio because it was talking and I just liked listening to talking as I went to sleep. So, of course, when I woke up, there'd be, like, the breakfast show on and they, of course, wouldn't be playing pop music. It's mainly for, like, older people. So they're playing sort of more older music and they would play this song to death i remember like when this movie came out so it's got this weird connection where i love the song and it just reminds me of like waking up to like about a boy on abc radio so shout out to 936 abc hobart um but yeah i mean i just wanted to quickly touch on the soundtrack the music of this there's some other songs in it which are great too shake ass watch yourself um but yeah i mean you mentioned to me uh about how much you love this song as well Mm -hmm. yeah um I, I, I kind of, with you, I mean, I, I always forget how great this song is and how much I love this song. I, I listened to this song to death uh, when this movie first came out. Uh, it wasn't like it really got radio play over here, but I remember downloading the song and it was one of the things I listened to most frequently. Uh, and uh, when this, when I was watching this movie, like I, I finished the movie and I kept humming. Jamie's like, what are you humming? I'm like, oh, it's a song from, I, I keep up thinking like, this is kind of where I, I figured out. I'm like, maybe this is a movie that's more made for guys. Cause I remember Jamie saying she likes this movie, but like, she's not like attached to this movie in any way. I'm like, oh, it's a song from about a boy. And she's like, I don't really remember that. I'm like, oh, you're going to have to watch it. And you're going to have to listen to the soundtrack. But then as soon as it ended, I immediately started putting on the soundtrack from about a boy. And uh, this song in particular, I think I listened to it like three times in a row. Like it is just such a perfect song. And uh, it's really only been the last couple of years that I bothered to check out more badly drawn boy music. And it's not really a genre. It's a genre that I think I often get annoyed with, like kind of the acoustic rock genre. But like he is pretty good. Like he's one of the better artists for this kind of wimpy rock genre. Uh, There, I think there are a handful of badly drawn boy songs. I listen to I'm like, Oh, I'll definitely add this to a playlist. I'd listen to this again. But I mean, yeah, this song is this, I'm shocked this didn't get an Oscar nomination for original song. Cause like this, this is what Oscar bait goes for. And obviously this movie was kind of ignored by the Oscars, but yet they still gave it at least something. So how the soundtrack and in particular, the song didn't get any recognition. I'm kind of shocked. It um the song actually the song's actually just called something to talk about. It's not actually called about a yeah. boy, but whatever. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. Like I I usually do not like this type of music. Like, God, I remember fucking Juno. Just like that was one of those oh, movies yeah. where they're like, oh my god, the soundtrack is so good. I had to listen to that to fucking death when I worked at Sandy. I wanted to kill myself. And that movie is so overrated. I'm sorry, Juno is a shit movie. Um, I know it's got Jennifer Garner in it, but come on, it's it's a. Do you like Juno? It's a crap Michael's- movie. It's so overrated. I don't mind Juno. Like, to me, Juno is like about a boy for women. <laughs> There's a very uh, good comparison. It's not really a romantic comedy. There's aspects of that to it, but it's sort of a character drama. But I remember seeing Juno and Jamie was like in love with the movie. And I just sort of instantly thought like, it's a good movie, but like, I don't think I'm the audience. It's not to say that a guy can't enjoy a movie like that and a woman can't enjoy about a boy, but like there's not as much to identify with in that movie. Well, that you know? was, but that yeah, was I mean, like... the cast, Jason Bateman, Michael Sarah, J.K. Simmons. I mean, I can't go against the cast, but I mean, that's kind of like... um. So Stand By Me, great film. 
But then you had what was the female version in the nineties? Was it Now and Then? Like it was kind of like the oh yeah yeah. Now like and I actually then. really liked Now and Then. Like I remember yeah. watching that. And going yeah, like, hey, this is actually movie. a really good movie. And it's like I'm not meant to like this movie, but everyone's like, oh, it's the female Stand by Me, and I'm like, well, I still like this movie. Um, you know, got the wrong genitalia between my legs, but whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, I um, I'm surprised. Like it's it. This is a movie that. I don't know, is it released too early or too late? Like, I feel this would be a, an Oscar, like, lots of nominations spring, in a different year. But, like, I, I meant, like, more like, you know how, like, we talked about... Oh, yeah. We've t- talked about in certain films. Like, we talked about The Matrix. Like, how did The Matrix not get a Best Picture nomination? Things like that. Whereas another year it would have. Or, like, mm-hmm. let's not talk about Black Panther again. How that gets a Best <laughs> Picture nomination. Like, if it's released 10 years earlier or 10 years later, it's not going to. Yeah. Um, so, like, I feel like if this movie, do you feel like if it's released a few years earlier, a few years later? Because I feel this is a very, like, let's go with Juno, for example. Juno didn't get Best Picture, I don't think. It but did. it got a lot. It did, did it? Okay, well, yeah. like, I feel that maybe this needs to be released. Like, what, Juno was 2008, wasn't it? So Yeah, like, like five years later. So I feel like you this know, is this is released a few years later. This would have gotten, like, Hugh Grant would have got a nomination, Nicholas Holt, Best Picture. Like, it got one, but, like, I feel like mm-hmm. this is a movie that deserves more credit in that department. Like Juno, it, it, it's funny. I hadn't even thought, but Juno is probably the movie you would most compare this to, like as far as tone and everything goes. I would say Juno is kind of a quirkier movie than this. If anything, this movie came out too early, just in that movies like this, like American Beauty, you know, they had to be quirkier. They had to be really unusual. And this is, it's a very straight movie. It's a funny movie. It's got some quirks to it, but it's too straight. Whereas, yeah, five years later, when Juno comes out, a movie like this is more accepted. I feel like this movie comes out now it probably gets more attention than at any other point because people don't feel like you need things to be quirky anymore. You know, take a movie like American Beauty. I mean, American Beauty is a very good movie, but it does sort of feel like this is so 1999. There's like an emo quality to it and all that. And like, if anything, that's the problem is that about a boy came out during an emo era and there's nothing emo about it. You know, I mean, mm. it, Hugh Grant has one sad scene in the movie. Other than that, <laughs> this is not, it's not emo enough for 2002. That might be the issue. I didn't realize Elliot Page or Ellen Page or she was Ellen Page then. I didn't realize that they got nominated for a Academy Award for yeah. that um, as well. And yeah, Juno did. So that was back in the only what five movies got nominated days. So mm-hmm. wow, geez, okay. Um, yeah, did you see this in the movie? Like I, I, I did, honestly, yeah. I didn't. Like I can't even remember when I first. I feel like. Mum rented it maybe and I watched it with her or she was like, Ben, I watched this movie. It's good. Um, yeah, I don't remember seeing this for the first time, but I, I do remember like obviously loving it enough that it was either like if it's on TV or I'd rent it um, and eventually bought it um, and it would be one of these ones that I would randomly just put on every now and then. But um, yeah, I, I didn't see it at the cinema, but I, I'm assuming it was just a rent it from the video store, watch it with my mum or the day after or something like that. Uh, can you see what the release date was, or at least the North American release date, if you have it open? I can see that it was released in the United States on the 17th of May, 2002. I can't okay. see if that would be different so, for Canada, but that's all I can see. That is, I believe, the day that Attack of the Clones comes out. Um, <laughs> I believe uh, the wow. day after, technically, Attack of the Clones. So, yeah, because I was trying to think to myself, I'm like, you know, I didn't see this movie right away. Uh, in fact, I don't remember seeing this until maybe two, three months later when it goes into like the cheap theaters, you know, where you're paying a dollar fifty to go see it. But yet I remember really want to see this, but obviously Attack of the Clones would be the reason why, because I was watching Attack of the Clones 
you know, what, 15, 16 times <laughs> its original release, probably all I watched. Uh, but yeah, I did see this once I went to the cheap theaters and yeah, I loved it. And as soon as it came out on video, I remember getting it right away or DVD, getting it right away uh, and watching it to death and telling people, you got to watch this movie about a boy as well. Uh, this was such a competitive year. I mean, there, there are so many movies we've already covered from 2002 and yet we're doing a 2002 month. I feel like we could do two or three months worth of 2002 movies. Uh, but probably by the end of 2002, I remember this being like up there with Attack of the Clones and uh, Minority Report as one of the movies that like I was just in love with. And, and I, if I had to pick a top five list back in 2002, about a boy would have made my list. Uh, I only saw it the one time because it had been two or three months by the time it finally came out. But by the end of 2002, I probably had watched this next to Star Wars and next to Minority Report, maybe the most of any movie that came out. And Spider-Man, I guess. So maybe in, in my top five most movies uh, watched in 2002. I mean, we'll obviously talk about this at the end of the episode whenever we get there. But just, I mean, looking at the 2002 releases, I would yeah probably say this is probably one of the most I've seen from that year. I mean, there's another movie that we're doing in this month that I would have seen a lot of times. Um, there's another movie from this month that we're doing that I saw twice at the cinemas. Um, but yeah, there's definitely, a, it's a, this is why we're doing this month because there's a lot of great movies from 2002. Uh, let's get into it. Famous last words. Feel this won't take long, but uh, there you go. Um, let's um, let's see how we go. Um, who wants to be a millionaire, Colin? Um, were you a fan? I fucking loved who wants to be. That like, I just want to take people into a time capsule because, like, you talk to people about things that were a thing. And, you know, like, there's all this... I was reading an article now. I was Actually, no, it was like a video of, like, Dad gives his son a quiz of telling him 90s phrases and he's got to try... So he was like, Dylan, what does collect call mean? And, like, things like that to really aid you. But I feel like Who Wants to Be a Millionaire was such a thing, but people forget about it because it kind of, like, came off the back of everybody loves quiz shows which aren't really a thing in australia anymore i know there's still a thing at least in america i don't know about canada um and then who wants to be a millionaire revolutionized it but then reality tv kind of said fuck you who wants to be a millionaire we're going to be our own thing that's how people forgot about it it was like 99 2000 like it was huge in australia i'm i know it's huge in america i don't know if canada had their own version but like do you did you get caught up in the hype of who wants to be a millionaire? it was so exciting it was like event yeah. television it was so good so it's it's a little bit more complicated why this show died, at least in North America, so quickly. Um, but reality TV does play a part in it. Uh, when this first came out, I remember the summer of 99. Now, this is during a period where there's not new television shows in the summer. So if there was something that looked interesting, you were tuning in. And also, any type of game show or quiz show, they used to be big deals in prime time. I mean, t- television was sort of built on this. But it just sort of became a daytime thing. So the fact they were doing something like this in prime time, you're like, ooh, it's going to be dressed up. And that, that was kind of the flashiness, the dramatic music. Like, we are making a game show cinematic. Uh, I, when they first did this, the, the original idea where we're going to air it for like two weeks straight every single night, you could not miss it. And it was yeah. probably, if I were to say other television phenomenons, Survivor, you know, um, uh, Big Bang Theory, uh, any other big television shows that have existed. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> Sorry. Like, I love how you're like, who wants to be there? Survivor, the Big Bang Theory. Well, no, I, a, there is a reason why I say that, though. As big I love as the, the Big, big Bang, Bang Theory. Theory. I'm not mocking well, it, but here, anyway, sorry. Here's the thing. <laughs> uh, as big as the Big Bang Theory is in other countries, 
is yeah. the biggest show of all time in Canada. So much so that the Big Bang oh, Theory, in Australia, I think, it is it is the only television show that I think has multiple episodes in the most that you get the top ten most watched television episodes of all time in Canada, and there are episodes of Big Bang Theory, just random episodes that are in there. Uh, everything else on that list will be like a finale, like the Seinfeld finale, the Friends finale, the Cheers finale, the Corner Gas finale, but like season four, episode 19 of the Big Bang Theory, season five, the Big Bang Theory might be the highest rated sitcom in history in Canada. It's it's but it's yeah. literally one of those things in Australia where like I think like three different networks have the rights to reruns. And yeah. I swear, like, I mean, Friends is always on at some point, but, like, Big Bang Theory, I swear to God, you can be flicking channels at, like, 7 p.m. any night, and it's on three different channels. Oh, yeah. Network television here, CTV, I'd say one or two nights a week, they will just throw the Big Bang Theory on at 7 p.m., like, primetime slots. And this is a show that's been off the air for years. But, but, yeah, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire was bigger than all of them. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a television phenomenon as big as Who Wants to Be a Millionaire in 1999-2000. The original mm. idea was we're going to air it for three or two, two, three weeks straight, and then it'll be gone for a few months. Then we'll bring it back in sweeps. And they did that for, I think, two or three stints. And then eventually they said, well, we're going to have this on every week, but we're only going to do it twice a week now. And it was still biggest show in the history of television. And then they're like, we'll expand to three nights a week. And then within like a year of this show debuting, maybe a year and a half, this show was on five nights a week. And it was actually pre-Survivor when it started to dwindle. And it was overexposure that killed Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. And it was canceled, I think, within two, three years. Went from being the hottest thing in the history of television to being flat out canceled. Uh, and obviously, you know, reality TV played a part in that because suddenly people were, because I remember when Survivor came out, people were like, you know, because shows like Who Wants to Be a Millionaire are popular. It's like, nowadays you're like, Survivor, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? no similarities at all but back then yeah. it's like well this is all you had but yeah that that show overexposed so quickly but i mean it was so good and it's so funny in my notes here i i only watched this movie like a day and a half ago but um you ever get it where you write your notes and then you're confused what does my note mean uh i abbreviated here wwtbam and i started reading my notes i'm like <laughs> what what would tampa bay administration <laughs> mingle I'm, like, I'm trying to figure this out They're like oh who wants to be a millionaire there's several parts of my notes where i'm already confused and i'm, I'm having to remind myself here but yeah yeah uh, who didn't love who wants to be a millionaire back in the day and they had these fun answers like they throw john bon jovi in there it's just kind of it's a joke here that it's like in the movie ends up becoming like what people take seriously i want to talk about this in a sec because the reason i brought this up there's a tangent this is about a boy but um just i wanted to like look here at the canadian broadcasts this is this is so weird. 2017, the top 10 broadcasts that year. Number one, the Super Bowl. Number two, the Academy Awards. Number three, Stanley Cup playoffs, Eastern Conference final, Ottawa versus Pittsburgh. Ottawa made Of course they did. Uh, number four, the Grey Cup. Number five, the Big Bang Theory, the holiday <laughs> summation. Number five, equal, the Big Bang Theory, the Comic-Con conundrum. Number seven, Super Bowl, Super Bowl pregame show. Number eight, the Big Bang Theory, the locomotion reverberation. Number nine, Super Bowl postgame show. Number 10, the Big Bang Theory, the proposal. Like, everything outside of sport. 40%. Big Bang Theory. Then 2015, it's Super Bowl, Junior Hockey, Academy Awards, Super Bowl, Big Bang Theory, uh, American League Championship, World Championship, <laughs> 
Big Bang Theory, Big Bang Theory, Greg. This is ridiculous. I didn't realise. Yeah. I thought Survivor was always up there. I just want to say, though, happy to see here that the most watched broadcast of all time, I know we've talked about this before in another episode, but it's always fun to look at these, uh, the NBA Finals, Game 6, Toronto Raptors versus Golden State Warriors, only number 14th of all time, Canada. Hello. Um, I did not realise that Game 7 of last year's Stanley Cup Playoffs Round 1, Montreal versus Toronto, oh, yeah. is the 18th most watched broadcast of all time yeah. um, and still the most watched of all time. I remember watching this in Australia. I was hooked and I was cheering for you guys. Uh, 2010 gold medal game, Canada, yeah. USA, obviously. Um, yeah, Go ahead if you had anything to add on those at all. Oh, I, w- I was just saying, like, you, you can tell by looking at the list. Uh, when you look at, like, highest-rated shows throughout the course of a season um, – you know, Survivor and Amazing Race are pretty much neck and neck fighting it out for second spot because Big Bang Theory is always number one. But that list kind of proves it. Like the only non-scripted thing, or sorry, the only scripted thing in the top 10 in any single year is Big Bang Theory and it'll dominate 40 to 50% of the list. I love in the top 10 of Australia, it's still the funeral of Princess Diana is the most watched broadcast <laughs> of all time, followed by the wedding of Charles and Diana. Um, but then the most watched broadcast outside of Princess Diana dying and getting married were the uh, Sydney Olympics opening ceremony and the Sydney Olympics closing ceremony. Where's bringing um, sexy back? Oh, at least number <laughs> eleven. I don't think it's quite made the uh, the top ten here. Uh, the reason I bring out who's familiar because like yeah, this is a whole other thing. But like, God, it was just it was. I want people who are listening to this who just weren't there. Like it was. You know, I can think of these shows that you would sit around with your family and watch because for the most part, you grew up in a house where you had one TV. You didn't have TV in your room. You didn't have a phone. You weren't watching like Netflix and YouTube. So it was like sit around the couch and watch family. Like this is what you watch. And when Who Was Familiar became a thing, like it just, it was everything. It was, I mean, the soundtrack is one of my favorite soundtracks. I've got the soundtrack on my computer. The dun, 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 like, oh, so good. And like, you think about it now because like we've got, a version of it that still exists on TV today. It's a five night a week show, which is like a half hour show. It's very, it's quick fire. It's called like who wants to be a millionaire? Like I express or something like it's got time limits and it's very quick. Whereas back when this first started, there was no time. You were literally sitting there watching a person stare at a screen going, Hmm, I don't think it's a (laughs) could be, and like this went on for ages but you were like yeah. oh my god I know the ad to lock it in um, exactly, and I remember yeah. when the first person won a million dollars in Australia like this was like breaking news like tune in tonight because you're gonna see someone win well, a million who is it like it's yeah the uh, the the American version like the first everybody remembers the, the first Regis. guy to win a million and, yeah on the Regis version because he went all the way to the million dollar question and he, the first person I ever could get there and he hadn't used any lifelines and then he says, well, I'm going to have to use a lifeline. We're just like, now you're going to use a lifeline. And he basically uses the phone a friend. He says, hi, I actually know the answer to the question. I just wanted to call to tell him about to win a million dollars. I remember watching that. I've that, seen that. Yeah. yeah. And that's like, if you mentioned who wants to be a millionaire, I mean, that moment is one that like everybody knows. It's not, it's not even just, you remember the name of the, the guy. You remember the moment. A, you remember how he played it. Well, the other one that I think was huge was the British version. I think they made a movie of it. Was the guy who won a million dollars by having the coffer, the person in the crowd coughing the answers. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, think so they, that, I, I just read about that movie just recently. Yeah, yeah, that was huge. And then in Australia, I think the ones that made the news the most, we had like they do a celebrity edition every now and then. So the two that always made it big was Richard Hatch. They flew him out after he won Survivor, and he was the first person in Australian who has familiar history to not win a cent. He bombed out before the safe zone of a thousand dollars. 
Um, and then uh, we had this uh, famous uh, Australian TV personality. He used to be in a band and then he just went on to be a TV host called Red Simons. Very smart man. And he got like to 250000 At that point, like I don't think anyone had gotten that far. And then he just completely fucked up on a question. He hadn't used any lifelines, anything. And then I think like they found out the next day that technically he was correct or something like that. So there was like a whole mm. big thing around that. But um, our host, the guy who hosted the original, Eddie Maguire, still hosts the uh, other version to this day. Um, so uh, there's a phrase in Australia, like I'm sure it was lock it in Regis, but like to this day, people say lock it in Eddie. I think I've used that with you sometimes. You say lock it in Eddie. That's an Australian saying you will say. So still to this day. Who is a millionaire? Yeah. Great forgotten phenomenon that we will never recap. You can't recap and an episode of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. But like, I think we just did, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> this is Who Wants to Be a Millionaire Oz. I, had, I remember I got the PlayStation video game. Oh, yeah. And, and so addicted to this. My mum got so addicted to this. I remember like... she'd I'd go to bed. Good night, mum. Like it was 11 o'clock at night, going to school. Get up the next morning, go to school. And I'd like... Mum's still in the lounge room. I'd walk in like, you get up early, Mum. She's like, I haven't gone to bed yet. I'm so close. She'd been up for like eight hours sitting in front of the TV playing Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And I'm like, oh, Mum, good on you. Um, oh, so that's good. 16 units too. That's, that's yeah. not just eight hours. <laughs> that's how we all should be. The point is that 15-minute rant was because Who Wants to Be a Millionaire is featured at the beginning of About a Boy. When we get the who said no man is an island and it was John Bon Jovi, apparently. And then the great thing about this movie is I love how they kind of have this like narration by both uh, Will and Marcus, who Grant and Nicholas Holt. And it's kind of it balances each other out yeah. kind of. So you've got this great opening where, you know, he's like, well, that's not right. A man is an island. You know, every man is an island. Uh, we we don't need this. We don't need that. Like, um, and then you kind of hear this Swedish model that he's like gone out and done stuff with. And he's like, fuck it. I'm just going out to do this. And off he goes for his life and he's having a great old life. And then you get this intersection with Marcus for the first time. And he's laying in bed and he's saying how his life sucks. And there's like a hamster and that how he can't be like Haley Joel Osmond and make millions of dollars because he can't act. So he has to go to school for his mum. Um, so Haley Joel's mom. <laughs> exactly. Good, good point about that one. Um, and we sort of get to learn a little bit more about women. This is me. This is me when he's on the couch and she hands, like, he, what, it's his sister, I think, hands yeah. him a baby. And it's like the way he's holding it, me. I'm like, oh, it's a baby. Have you got an alarm going off in your house right now? <laughs> I think you might need to go and check I, it. Is your house burning down? <laughs> uh, let, me, let, me, let me return in two minutes. All right. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, we'll, we'll be back in just a short moment. All right. <clears throat> are we are we alive? Has a house survived? <laughs> Who who's sending yeah. us smoke alarms? Is that Jamie's new way of going? Colin, I want attention. Stop recording. <laughs> Come and see me. It's the first time I've ever seen a smoke detector go off because you know if you, if you have like a hot pan and then you mm-hmm. run water over it, it yep. the steam apparently combined with whatever was cooking made our smoke detector go off. But good thing I work for an alarm company. They called me within about ten seconds. But you actually have an alarm company to call you about your smoke detector? Oh, yeah. It's monitored. Everything wow. can be monitored. Theo that, detectors, smoke detectors, flood detectors. Is that just because you work for an alarm company? You've got extra layers of security? I mean, my smoke alarm goes off all the time because oh. I'm burning shit. We don't get anyone calling. I don't give a shit in Australia. Like, ah, fucking put oh, it out, mate. You'll be right. 
if you get a monitor, you get big discounts on your uh, your insurance, your house insurance. Oh yeah, everybody's got uh, you know, smoke detectors <laughs> and stuff monitored here in Canada. <laughs> they just knock on your door. Oh, eh? your house burning down, yeah. is it? Oh, I'm here to put it out. <laughs> I just set it off accidentally, John. All right, back to go rescuing kittens. Um, anyway, uh, so <laughs> Will hates children. <laughs> <laughs> I love how he's like holding it and then he just sees like the stain on the couch and he's just like, like me, like literally like if I touch a baby, I'm like wiping it going, oh, I need to wash my hands. Like what's yeah. going on? This baby's dirty. Like, and then the other kid who's just like, <laughs> and it's like, oh, hello. And it's like, oh, he's a real little, it's like, oh yes, he's a real little one, isn't he? Um, and then we get the great moment here where it's like, Will, we'd love you to be her godmother, uh, godfather. And Bessie's like, Oh, I'm on it, but are you kidding me? Like, what are you talking about? I'm going to grow up and I'm going to take her out and get her drunk and probably try and shag her. I couldn't think of anyone else. <laughs> it's like, this is me. This is so me. <laughs> and this is why I just love this character because, like, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say I live the wheel life, but, like, I'm getting there. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, I am getting there. I just need my dad to ride a one-hit wonder and I'll be set. <laughs> I feel like I am fond, I'm really getting to Will's life all of a sudden. Uh, but it intersects when we got Marcus. So we meet uh, his mum for the first time, Tony Collette, who uh, sort of walks him to school and he's, we find out that he's going to a new school here. They've got this kind of quirky little relationship and she sort of embarrasses him in front of everyone with the whole, like, I love you, I love you, and then sort of everybody starts, like, making fun of him. I just want to say, like, a large reason to why I connect with this film is just the relationship between Marcus and his mum just – it. I connect on that so much with the relationship between me and my mum. And, like, I'll be honest with you, rewatching this movie, crying my eyes out because I, I don't think I have watched this movie since my mum died. So, like, I just was like, wow, this really hit me hard. And it was just, like, it was almost hard to watch. Not to try to get deep and all that personal here, but, like, this movie has always reminded me so much of the relationship with my mum. So, uh, again, the layers of connection is, I think, why I love this movie so much. But moving on, um, Will goes on a date. Um, no, if you're listening, it's when people go out and potentially meet to, uh, you know, have romantic connections. Uh, Colin, if you're listening, it involves sex, look it up. Um, <laughs> and this sort of sets us on a path where Will is going to start to like single mums because we meet his date here and she's like, I've got something to tell you. Like, I, uh, I've got a child. And then he's all like, oh, okay. And then I love the narration we just get from Will when he's just like, I just wanted to run out of, run away and I wanted to leave and kick the table away. But instead I was like, oh, great. I love kids. I'd be a bit disappointed if you didn't have them, to be honest. It's like, what does that mean? He's like, I don't know what that meant. Um, <laughs> this is just what Hugh Grant does so well here because it's kind of just like the way he just sort of, you know, goes from bumbling, oh, I'm British, I'm Hugh Grant, to just being a real jerk. And then I just love the way you've got the narration, which kind of just explains everything. Like going back to your point about it being such a guy movie, I think, well, maybe not Colin because he's not normal, but like people like myself, like can relate to this where you've been on a date and you kind of, you will say something which will have a reaction from the girl and you're just kind of like, oh, I didn't mean it that way. Um, <laughs> what do I say? <laughs> so, um, sorry about what you want to do with children. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> Don't don't get me started on that. But um, this is why we, we sort of get this little montage, I guess, where, you know, he's off playing with... Um, what does he say he was like when he's dangling the kid upside down? He's like, oh, I wish this was like, what dates were that easy? I could just dangle them upside down and they could just, you know, <laughs> be in my hands. And then he 
dates this woman for a little bit and then she dumps him. And <laughs> again, I like the little montage where like, obviously he's always dumping the woman and then basically she's dumping him and he's just like, oh, oh, I'm so upset. Oh, uh, what a shame. Oh, I'm really, really cut up about. Um, but it sort of sets him on the path where he's going to go to, um, what is it, spat? Single yeah. parents act together or are together or something like that. Um, so he'll eventually go to that first meeting because uh, he's trying to pick up, I guess, uh, single mums in the supermarket when he's, like, going up to, like, people with kids and all of a sudden, like, the husband will walk up towards him. So that's kind of funny. And it's obviously intersected with Marcus. So he's off at school and he's being told by like the biggest losers in the school that they don't want him to hang out with them. Um, he's singing in class. Um, you sort of see that his mum's obviously having a bit of a hard time because she's crying over making breakfast and all that kind of fun stuff. And then uh, I kind of like one of these moments where he's getting hit in the head with a football and it's kind of like one of those like, so this is me. I bet you want to know what's going to happen in this story. Well, this is where it all begins. Um and I gotta say, like, they they do the whole introducing Nicholas Holt. So I think this is what his first main role. Yeah. I think he was in like something else before this. But how old is he in this film? Like, he's great. Like, he just does a twelve. He toes 15. a line. He doesn't toes a line of where, like, again, he's kind of meant to be weird, maybe a bit annoying, but you genuinely feel for this kid. Like, you really, mm. really do. And like, the chemistry he has with Tony Collette is amazing. Tony Collette is amazing. I mean. I think, does she get overlooked in this film for how good she is in this yeah. movie? Um, you know, just kind of playing, obviously, you know, the the single mum having some issues there. But, like, it's just all of it just works so well. Everyone in this film has amazing chemistry and everybody, like, puts, like, looks like they're, I don't say having fun, but, like, they're just enjoying themselves in this movie. It's kind of like Twister where it's just, like, just everybody looks like they're just having a good time doing this film. Um, Will in this single parents meeting uh, invents little, is it Ned? Uh, his little two-year-old, um, and I love it in this meeting. Again, this is so me when he's just like, oh, you know, and the mum left, and then he just comes up to me and hugs me and goes, you'll be all right, Dad. Like, oh, that's a bit – that's very advanced for a two-year-old, is it? <laughs> that would be me. I'd be like, oh, and then my two-year-old comes up and drives me to work and like, oh, that's very advanced. Like, is it? Oh, I don't know, ages and shit like that. Um, and then he meets uh, this – who I thought this was Olivia Wilde at first – does she not look like Olivia Wilde? No, I didn't see that. Oh, she's um she's from something too. And I looked up her filmography and I just can't see what she's from. So this is is this Ellie? No, that's the that's the younger girl. Um Christine. Is this yes. Christine? Sharon. Let's call her Christine. Sharon Small, perhaps? Is she a small Sharon? Uh <laughs> But I don't know. Um, somebody loves this movie. I'm doing well with the cast of that. <laughs> um, no, who is it? Um, son of one, Susie. No, it's Susie. So who's Susie? Uh, not Christine. <laughs> that, isn't that the little girl? No, the, the Su- niece or whatever. Susie um, meets one of the single mothers. Will meets Susie, who he's attracted to. Um, so we, attracted I, to the little girl. He really is. Not attracted to the little girl. Get the little girl out of your mind. You know what I mean? Victoria <laughs> Smurfit. There we go. That's the Smurfit? person. Smurfit. <laughs> That's a name. <laughs> Don't mock her name. She can't help it. She's Irish. <laughs> so I can't see what she's like. What she's been in that I've seen. I never watched Cold Feet. Mum loved Cold Feet. Uh, Bulletproof Monk. I've seen that. Oh, I, I remember think. that one. 
Um, once upon a time, she was Cruella Deville. Um, <laughs> wow, I'm sure I loved that. But anyway, not Olivia Wilde. Um, and so he's lying about the fact that he's got a kid. And then he goes on a date with her. So I love how, like, he has to buy, like, a car seat for his car. He's got this very nice Audi. Um, also, I love I love in the meeting when he gets here and he's, like, talking about, like, oh, yes, and she left me for my best friend outside and he was waiting in a Ferrari. You know those, like, really nice Medinas with, like, the open wheel with the uh, engine that's visible in the back? Yeah. And everyone's just like, what? And he's like, oh, never mind. Uh, <laughs> and so he's going on a play date, basically, where Ned just doesn't happen to be there. But uh, dear old Irish Smurfit has to look after uh, her friend's child because of her mother, the friend isn't feeling well. And this is where Will and Marcus meet for the first time. So I might sort of just go right through here to um, sort of uh, the the scene after the duck. So uh, they go on a lovely little picnic. We find out that Will does nothing because his dad wrote a one-hit wonder, Santa's Super Slay, which he absolutely hates, and they start singing it. Um, and then, uh, Marcus kills a duck, which is hilarious. <laughs> which did you ever see the film clip for something to talk about by, uh, uh by badly drawn boy? Yeah. So the film clip is the duck, like seeking yeah. revenge. Yeah. Like it's, it's hilarious, but I just love this moment where he kills a duck and he just comes up and he's like, so I, um, I killed a duck. <laughs> <laughs> literally thrown a giant like loaf of bread to like kill this duck uh which is funny and then kind of that goes from the moment where uh he has a vision of his mum it's a little bit weird they go home and we find out that his mum has uh tried to kill herself and they rush off to hospital she survives but uh obviously will is there he doesn't really know how to deal with all this kind of situation um, what does he say? Like when the the nurse comes up to him, is like, "Oh, like you know, Marks will have uh, signed permission slip. He'll have to go stay with one of you tonight." And he's like, "All right, your place yeah, or mine." My, my, yeah, it was me. <laughs> and they kind of like look at him awkwardly, and then they uh they go off, and um yeah, we've sort of set the motion. They've met for the first time, and uh, this is going to sort of start this relationship. So obviously, I've sort of skipped over bits here and there. Uh, another reason why I think I really connect with Will is like. I like I right now my job is a podcast host. Um <laughs> I I do not have a paid job at the time of recording this. I wait, literally wait, have wait. one Didn't we make $115 in the last year and a half? <laughs> Probably not meant to declare that to our listeners, but sure, like, let's just whatever. Uh, <laughs> very honest here on the Oz network. Um, <laughs> that goes to paying our our um It doesn't fees. even pay for it. It doesn't. <laughs> Give us more ben, money. You, ben ran the, down the numbers for me today. It's like, so it's about $60 short or whatever. 60? It's more like 80. Uh, <laughs> just saying we're poor, all right? I don't have a paying job. Colin does. He's alarms call people when they go off. Like, he's rich. Um, I've just, like, gone to New York, haven't gotten a job, had to come back to fucking Hobart, all right? Like, come on. Um, point is, I feel Will here because when everyone's, like, asking, so what do you do, Will? So people ask me, what do I do? Now, I say I'm a podcast host. 90% of people go, oh, okay, cool. And they talk to you about that. They assume that's my job. I legitimately hate it when I have some girls who turn around and go like, oh, yeah, but what do you actually do to make money? Like, it's kind of like, fuck you. Like, I could be Rob Sestanino. He makes money. Um, (laughs) Joe Rogan makes money. Like, 
I'm like, what is it about podcast hosts which screens doesn't make money? I made $115 last year. Why don't you just say you're a single father and you really got to meet my son, Ned? <laughs> That's a good idea. $115 divided by 52. I'm making $2.21 a week. All right? <laughs> Can buy me a coffee in New York. Uh, that's about it. Can't even afford a subway trip on that. Uh, <laughs> hey, don't don't and, forget, half that money's mine. You're not even making two fifteen. <laughs> I'm making a dollar like what's half of fifteen? A dollar eight five. A we got a week. At least give a percentage to Rocky and Noah here too. No, and fuck Nick. them. I'm being generous. I'm giving half of that to Colin who has a job. Uh, I started Survivor Rise. I found you. You you applied to me. And I still give you half the money. Jesus. Anyway, the point is, uh, I feel for Will here when people ask him, what do you do? And he kind of has this awkward moment of going, well, I do nothing. Um, so I kind of connect with him there. Also, I love Will's house. I love this giant, like, fish tank. Like, that's cool. Yeah. Um, and, I, like, I know this is dated with the CD player, but I love his CD player. I always wanted a CD player like that, that kind of, like, with that cool the little changers. things. And I love his, like, shelf filled with CDs and books and all that kind of stuff and everything else. And his breakfast here, is it all of a sudden, Colin? Or are you looking around or? Yes. Breakfast. Look at this. See? The guy has a job. The guy has a wife. I didn't can... burn anything. <laughs> she didn't well, burn anything. She's it was just a... from steam. <laughs> That's a huge plate. What is that? Is that rice? No, it's eggs and bacon and smiley fries. My favorite. That is just mango huge. Smiley fries. Again, I'm mango pointing this curry out. Dip. I'm on not even $2. I'm on a dollar eight a week because this guy here <laughs> with his loving wife brings him breakfast and everything. Can't even last 80 days with a loving wife. But anyway, whatever. Let's let's ignore that. Um, I like the start of this movie, Colin. Uh- <laughs> yes. Uh, sure, you can bring me something to drink. I'd love a drink, Jamie. Man, are you thirsty? <laughs> I am thirsty. This water's getting a bit stale. Uh, first thing I want to talk about is Will's character. Uh, I, I think any any guy can identify with least aspect of Will's character. Uh, but, can you, uh, though? Yeah, Name well, one aspect of like, Will that you can relate to. The, the way he re- is with the kid here. This is like most guys, I think, but particularly me. Even when we had children, Jamie says she looks back on pictures of me with Casper and is like, you always were holding him awkwardly, like you were going to break him. Like, I, I, even when I had my own kids, I was like, oh, Jamie's like, here, hold the baby. I'm like, oh, okay, you have to. <laughs> and to this day, I was, if, if my kids come up and they're flopping all over me and they're they're touching me and stuff like that. As soon as they turn away, I'm always like wiping. They'll come up and they'll try to kiss me sometimes, which I hate. <laughs> like, Remy, like, nah. yeah, I tried doing that with and- Colin. It didn't work. <laughs> but like, I'm immediately wiping my face. And James, like, don't do that. You're going to discourage him from showing affection. I'm like, good. <laughs> I don't need them touching me. Um, I am. Fun story. That's will. exactly what he says to Jamie as well. And that's, I still don't know how they had sex. <laughs> but I'm still the will that will wipe his hands on the couch after a child has touched him. <laughs> I, I finally, apparently by the time we had tw- twins, I finally cracked how to hold a baby. <laughs> I didn't crack a baby while holding it, but I cracked how to hold a baby. <laughs> I would have. <laughs> uh, it was because I cracked the first one that uh, I had me the practice with the twins. But but yeah, like this is, this is uh, I don't know, I think it's a regular guy thing. Like, oh yeah, like thanks for 
show me your baby. I'm really <laughs> excited by this. <laughs> I like, um, I just, it is one of these things. And like, again, being in the dating realm right now, I'm obviously of a certain age where generally most normal people of my age have had children. So like, it's that whole thing that like, if I, like, I'm not being mean the way I say this. I generally do not associate with single mums because there's a whole other thing there. But like on the times that I have and they start like talking about their kids, I'm just like, cool. Like, yeah, I, I mean, exactly. what do I, like, oh, in little Johnny, like, he's going to school next week. Like, oh, he's, I'm so nervous as a mum. And I'm like, probably should have told the father to wear a condom then. I, I, I don't know. Like, cool. Like, yippee. Are we going to have sex now? Like, that's generally how I work. <laughs> well, I also want to add, I know that there's a lot of people who I know who don't have children who will usually say the same thing. It's like, oh, it's so rude that people will always ask somebody without children, when are you going to have kids? Which, yeah, I think that is kind of rude, right? But don't think that people with children have it any different. I mean, Jamie and I have compared stories with other parents and it is impossible to escape. So when are you going to have another kid? And we're like, we're not. No joke. 90% of the time when we say that, people say, oh, so did you have yourself fixed or did Jamie? And I'm like, that's none of your business, fixed. but neither. We choose to not have more kids. You dogs. <laughs> I had gotten that response so many times. And I, I tell this Jamie, like, what is it with people yeah. in this world? Like, you think that, okay, it's only issues on the one side that it's single people. It's like, oh, so when are you getting married? When are you having kids? No, even when you're married and have children, people still think it's but always it's their business. Like, everyone, or, like, I mean, that's, you're in a relationship. When are you guys getting married? When you get married, yeah. what's the first thing? When are you having kids? Like, it's, 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 people are just fucking nosy fucks. Just shut the fuck yeah, up are, and leave us alone. Are you going to try for a girl? I'm like, no, <laughs> I got stuck with three boys. You think I'm going to take a risk of it more? And we doubled our amount of kids last time. People say that, are you going to try for a girl? I'm like, hey, we went from one kid to two kids on the second pregnancy. I'm not going to have four if we want to try for a girl. It, Forget that. No more children. It's re- it is really interesting. This is the, the new podcast coming soon. Human interactions that are weird. But it's like, <laughs> it's kind of like I had an eye test yesterday. So then they're all like, oh, like, you know, busy day today. And I'm like. No, not really. Oh, got the day <laughs> off, do you? Sure. Uh, and then they're kind of like, oh, so your last eye test was this long ago? And I'm just like, yeah, no, I've been living overseas. Oh, where have you been? Oh, New York, Canada. Oh, what were you doing there? And it's just kind of like, oh, for Get fuck's divorced. sake. Like, he's the bit of a biography. Details? Have a read. Yeah. Like, so, so, so this is what didn't work out with my last relationship. But that's, but that's the awkwardness of it because I literally, I'm getting yeah. there and I'm like, oh, yeah, New York. Like, I was, you know, trying to find work. Sadly, couldn't. So I had to come back home. Oh, what were you doing in Canada? Oh, I was relationship. Yeah. Ended and oh, they get all awkward. Oh, so about your eyes? It's like, well, you shouldn't have fucking asked then. <laughs> Look, like I, we're getting to all our secrets here now. But uh, another <laughs> thing that bothers me, like, again, people don't quite realize that some questions you just shouldn't ask because the person doesn't want to answer. You know, my dad died when I was eight. You know, without going into too many details of the circumstance of his death, it's not something that a person wants to discuss because it may be similar to what Marcus was going through with his mom here. Uh, but I can't even tell you how many times growing up people. So how did your dad die? Yeah, And I'm like, uh, and I would just say, oh, I don't know. And then like, what do you mean you don't know? Maybe there's a cover up. And like, you're going to dig down. This is not your business. Don't ask somebody how their parent it, died. And it's, but it's also even just like, it's that situation where you're talking about parents and yeah. then like, even then if it comes up with the like, what do your parents do or whatever? And then you kind of go, oh, like my, my mom is 
no longer oh i'm so sorry like what happened like, yeah. kind of like, yep like so can we just talk about your parents or something like that we don't <laughs> yeah. need to like like i've known you for an hour like i mean yeah. like there, there was there was one date i went on in new york and this girl like she had something about her that somehow like i like within an hour like oh yeah i'm technically still married blah 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 like it just kind of like came out i'm like well this is not what i thought it was um, so it just kind of, it was weird that that happened, but generally I don't go into these situations and go, so you're on a date with a married man right now. How do you, how do you feel about that? Although I will say I had people stalk me to the extent where they accused me of cheating on my wife because they found my social media that I hadn't updated in forever. It's like, oh, so you're married, you're cheating on your wife. And I'm like, yeah, other way around love. Like how about you go off at them and just stop stalking me, you creep. Like, again, I'm not that hard to find. (laughs) I'm really not that hard to find. You Google Ben podcast host Hobart, I'm the only result. So, anyway, this week on Days of Our Lives is over. Now back to About a Boy. (laughs) Back to About a Boy. Um, Marcus, uh, one little note I just made here is uh, him sleeping with a hamster in his room. I don't know if you've ever had a hamster. Uh, When I was a kid. Well, we had, um, like, classroom hamsters that, uh, you know. We do that here. We don't really do that in Australia. They, they give it to like one of the kids to take home for the summer. And I got to take mine home for the summer. Uh, it is so annoying because hamsters are only awake at night. So they make all their noise at night. And we actually have hamsters now because we wanted to get some type of pet, uh, but we didn't want to get anything big like a dog or anything. The kids would eat like a fish. I don't know. <laughs> but so we got a hamster. A dog? <laughs> like, how about that? Evil Come here, Lassie. If, if, you, if you knew Remy. Uh, <laughs> but, he's eating uh, his own we, poo. He's eating his dog. <laughs> but, but we got a hamster. And, I mean, I'm a very light sleeper. Like, I, there's a reason why I record early mornings most of the time. And that's because if I hear a car start outside, I'm awake for good. Like, <laughs> anything wakes me up. So I discovered very quickly I am not going to be able to sleep in a room with a hamster. So we keep the hamster in our room so the kids don't try to kill it. Uh, but at night, I basically have to take the cage and I have to put the cage in our bathtub uh, where it's going to be the minimal amount of noise uh, in a door that could be closed away from us because that's the only way I can sleep. So there is no way Marcus is sleeping with a hamster in here. And if there is, maybe that explains some of his emotional well, problems. I don't know. On that, sleep I'll add, I mean, when I had a rat called Padme, by the way, I've mentioned that before on air, <laughs> she used to like burrow and do shit at night, but I'm kind of the opposite of you. I can sleep through anything. Like I slept through a possum falling through our chimney as a kid i woke up and like, oh, good morning everyone i'm like what the fuck happened in here it's like you didn't hear that last night possum trashed our lounge room a motorbike went through our front fence and into our house as a kid and i woke up like, oh, what's going on oh god there's a hole in the house what's going on and apparently i slept through it so i can sleep through anything that's jamie too uh she will sleep through when we were on our honeymoon the fire alarm went off in the hotel at like three in the morning and it's one of those loud ones where it's like a physical bell that's like right above the bed. And I was like shaking Jamie for like 20, 30 seconds. And I'm thinking like, is she dead? Should I check for a pulse? Eventually she she got pregnant. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, there's, I don't think Marcus is sleeping through this. I don't think anybody's sleeping through it. Um, I love Hugh Grant's line here to where he says, I really am this shallow. (laughs) I think that's the the whole speech. No, you got that wrong. I really am. I really am. Yeah. Marcus's introduction to Will is so great because, uh, I mean, there's a line Will has earlier in this movie where he says, I like to think I'm cool. And I think that's the best thing about Will's character is that you think because he's this rich guy who does whatever he wants and he's sleeping with all these women and he is a superficial, shallow man that 
a typical movie would make him like he's the cool guy. And I think that's the problem I had with the TV show is that the guy they got, he was like, hey, I'm cool. Like, I am cool version of Will, whereas Will's really not cool. I mean, he is hmm. a bit of a loser. Like, I think I explained the, the TV show to you. It's like the TV show, they didn't make him enough of a loser. Will thinks he's cool, but he's really not, you know? Uh, and Marcus is the only person he interacts with where you get that because I think it's where he goes for a high five with Marcus or something like that. And Marcus just ignores him and he's like left hanging, which happens several times in this movie to Hugh Grant. Um, this is what I love about Marcus because he's the only guy who seems to get it's like, yeah, you're not that cool, you know, <laughs> uh, which kind of is why Hugh Grant starts maybe taking to Marcus a little bit too. Uh, the duck thing like that was like I remember being like I can't believe this movie went there but even just the, the revelation of the bread too like when, when he pulls out the bread Hugh Grant's like laughing he's like what is that and then Mark is like yeah my mom made that it's her homemade bread and he goes oh looks pretty good <laughs> and then he's like no it doesn't it looks healthy <laughs> but he's like throwing the loaf and he knocks on the, 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 the scene with the 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 I don't know park cop or whatever is the yeah. best are you the kid who's murdering the ducks and Hugh Grant's like, oh, yeah, but I had to talk with him. It won't happen again. He goes, so he did kill a duck. No, no, no. I The duck was dead. He was <laughs> using the loaf to try to drown the duck because the baby here was crying. And then it cuts the little girl, like, just not caring at all. He goes, all right. <laughs> well, I, love, I love the way this guy gets here and goes, I better go and wait in and go get them. Yeah, now I'm going to have to wait in and go get them. <laughs> I love that guy. He's my second favorite random character. Well, I'm sure your favorite random character in this movie has got to be the same. Well, there's uh, there's another random. I wouldn't even call a random character. Just somebody I I wouldn't have recognized last time I watched this movie. But in the spat group or whatever you call her, pets or whatever they whatever spat. it is, PTSD. You'll bats. be a member of it in a couple of years. Don't worry. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, there's there's a lady who uh, she's sitting to Hugh Grant's right. She's like an older lady, uh, dressed kind of hippieish or whatever. A uh, little bit on the heavier side, but uh, she huh. is uh, she, she's. She's in a TV show that I, in the last couple of years, have become obsessed with called Benidorm. It's like this British show about people vacationing in, I, I don't know, it's like it, not the type of people you would vacation in an all-inclusive resort in Spain. Uh, it's basically like losers. <laughs> you got you got the people who are unemployed and the people who, you know, old people who just have a lot of money. So it's a lot of like old people sunbathing. But her and her husband are like this older couple. And this would be, I'm sure, you as an older person. They are like the most sex-crazed people on the show, like <laughs> dirty, filthy things where yes. people will catch them in a people will catch them in hotel rooms, you know, doing like BDSM stuff and my people. And uh, yeah, like it's just she's so funny on that show, and she really only has like one funny moment in this movie here. But uh, like, oh, I recognize her. They should have given her more to do in this movie. Uh, yeah, Hugh Grant's like his whole scheme here about meeting women i mean i love that he he thinks to go to the extent of like crushing potato chips that's somebody who's been with children we never get the crumbs out of our car seats forget about the car seats car seats are buckled into regular seats sometimes we take a car seat out because we're giving a ride to somebody and we're like can we get the vacuum like there are crumbs oh. in here that won't come out and how old are those crumbs that's um, that's why i don't want kids like, like i literally when i got back and my, <laughs> i'm using one of my dad's cars like my, my dad's not a very neat person at the best of times. Love you, dad. But like, like I get in this car and like, it's just so trashy and gross. And I'm just like, like my cars are spotless. I always have like, I don't get when I get into people's cars and there's trash and crap everywhere. I'm like, Oh yeah. God, like clean your car. So like, I couldn't handle that with kids. 
Yeah, like Jamie actually drives our vehicle more than I do now just because she takes Casper to school every day and I'm working at home most days. So when I get in the car, it's always like, how many of these new pieces of garbage are here? And do I want to dare to clean up them? Like, I see some wet wipes there. I don't know what Jamie was wiping with it. Did she have to change a diaper in the car? We got home last night and uh, uh, Jamie's mom, who watches the kids uh, most of the time, she, she'll she clean up our whole house, you know, just, just because we're out for two hours or whatever, seeing a movie. Uh, now, I usually come home and I'm like, oh, everything's spotless here. But there was a crumb on the floor and I'm like, this hmm. crumb is wet. I'm like, <laughs> I just touched it. I'm like, oh, is it moving? Like, what is it? And, and then I'm like, okay, I need to know if that's poo or is that something from food? Because it, it definitely looks like it could be poo. And I basically am having to smell my head. Oh. Like, it smells like cinnamon. They had cinnamon rolls. Okay, I'm in the clear. Oh. Yeah. Like, I, oh, it's the worst part about having children is the crumbs and everything you get everywhere. Oh. Um, and sometimes they'll hide things. <laughs> that's why, uh, that's sure why we'll... Alan Grant is correct. They're dirty. Yeah. They, they smell. They smell. <laughs> yeah. They do not smell. Some of them smell. Baby smell. Like, absolutely yeah. correct. But I also love Marcus. Like the great thing about Marcus is that you get that he's kind of out of his element. He's a, you know, the, this kid who's really not the best at communicating people, but like he's right on board with coming up with this elaborate cover story when mm. uh, they're saying it's like, oh yeah, he, he would never kill a duck. He loves duck. They're my second favorite animal after dolphins. They yeah. have uh, noses that can attack sharks. <laughs> he's getting very elaborate on it. Um, <laughs> When, when they go home, I mean, there's only a few real sad parts of this movie, but the way they handle it, it doesn't feel so sad. Like when they come in, you know what's going on, but it, it cuts away so quickly. And for whatever reason, it's not even like they they throw away a joke in there when he comes home and his mom's trying to kill herself or when they're at the hospital and everything. There's just an awkwardness to it where Marcus is like, what part of this do you think is okay? Like he, mm. He's very honest without being like weepy and, and crying. And I think that's kind of what's, what's great about him because the relationship between him and his mom, it really is supposed to be like, he's kind of forced to be the adult here. And his mom's like, because his mom, you know, obviously has some issues. Um, and he sort of responds to this, like an adult. he's not responding to this, like, Oh, I don't know what to do. Like the only time he really breaks down in this movie is when he has a shoe stolen, which is coming up later on. Other than that, like he's the toughest character in this movie, but yet he's the one who's picked on. And at the same time, you're like, I see why people pick on him, but like, he, maybe him being picked on me, that's kind of the point. He gets picked on so much that he's just got this tough skin to him. Like it, it's just unusual how they handle that, but it's what works. It's what saves this movie from not getting sad when his mother tried to kill herself. And I also think it's done in a way where, you know, yeah, they make a couple of jokes here and there, but it's never done in a distasteful way. Like, yeah. you know, she's got issues and it's never like, and it's kind of like one of these things where I kind of like how they don't really explain it. Like, it's like mm-hmm. you kind of meet her dad and you're kind of like, what? Like, like her, sorry, her, the boy's dad. And you're kind of like, like, what? Like, what's going on here? And like, yeah, you just don't really, they don't take this as like a massive thing. Like, we're going to go on a tangent. Why is she so depressed? Yeah. She needs a man or like, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, I, I kind of like that. And it's, it's done in a, a raw enough way where it's realistic and it's sort of mm-hmm. like, and this is again, without going deep and dark and personal, like it's, I get a lot of this relationship. And like, I think too, like Tony Collette weirdly looks like my mum, like with the short hair <laughs> and like kind of these sort of hippie-ish clothes. Like it's kind of like what my mum used to dress like and like stuff like that. So like there's a too. lot of this, <laughs> this is like literally a lot of this where like I just get so connected to it because it's like, she just reminds me look wise as well. See, see, the weirdest thing for me in watching this movie is that my mom was basically, if you were to completely combine Tony Collette and Hugh Grant in this movie, that's my mom. My mom 
was, <laughs> you know, the, the Hugh Grant, careless, immature, you know, whatever, uh, big personality. But then she would have her weepy moments, the weepy hippie woman, you know, like, yeah, yeah very much a combination of those two characters. Uh, this is why we identify with the movie so much. We grew up with these people, but it, it's kind of realistic for the generation as well. You know, like there, there's a lot of people. It's funny. Uh, I can't remember what Jamie and I were talking about or, or somebody and I was, were, were talking about some other person like and I'm like you know it's that whole generation it's just there's, there's something about that generation that's very distinctive and there's a lot of very similar personalities and, and maybe people are going to say about our generation one day I don't know but uh, but yeah, like I like the relationship between, like the greatest thing is they don't make her into a bad mom they yeah. also don't really excuse what she did like I, I don't know we, we haven't talked about it yet but the scene where she comes back you know there's there's a great line in there which i'm sure we'll get to but hugh grant like the way that they maintain the superficiality of his character while again not making him a total douche is so great because he feels bad like he even says in the car ride he's like you know i felt so bad for the kid but it also felt great driving fast behind yeah. the ambulance <laughs> <laughs> man when they're, they're at the hospital like he's got that line about your place or mine but you're like he still kind of feels for the kid when he has that throwaway line it's like all right you know, we'll, we'll keep in touch. He just meant that as a throwaway thing, but he at least cared enough for his, like, I want to make this kid feel better. So they yeah. never quite lose either character. Like Marcus is a wimp, but he's also strong. Will is a dick, but he's also, you know, sympathetic. And I kind of like how sort of the scene that we get sort of, yeah, between, um, what is Tony Collette's character's name? Fiona. Um, the mum like how like this scene with her and and marcus how you know he's all like i found the note and she's kind of like oh sorry i forgot about that and it's kind of like that level of like anger that he's got um like it's it's i, I just like this kind of good dynamic and again they don't gel on it too much it's not like we go into this big soliloquy for the next 10 minutes about is suicide right or wrong is it selfish or not like i mean we all have got our own opinions on these sort of things but they kind of like play it on both sides here like you kind of got well, marcus here going like well like you know, you weren't thinking like, you know, you weren't meant to be whatever. You don't, you didn't think about me. And then she's kind of like, well, you know, like I was going through some stuff, like whatever. So, <laughs> Well, and even yeah. her line, like it's like you said, they throw little bits of humor in there. You were just like, well, I didn't think I'd be around to have to deal with you reading it. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of just like the way, like, is this where he's just kind of like, look, I can't be here to like, you know, always look after you and stuff like that. And she's just like, look, I'm, I'm fine now. This is not going to happen again. So kind of like, it's sort of, you know, I like the way they kind of, you know, portray that with it. And then we kind of get some more great, like, little montage moments here. We get the whole units uh, little uh, speech here from Will, which I love. I, I live by this. It's like, I break my day into units, half an hour for a unit. You don't really need to do much, you know, uh, each day. Uh, you know, having a having a bath, one unit. Watching Countdown, one unit. Uh, research on the internet. And you seem like talking like supermodels with see-through tops or something like that. Great so, website, Do you know by the, the trivia about that? No, I don't. So uh, this might have been something they did for the movie, but I remember when I came up like, you know, what, what do you want to bet Ben's actually tried going there? Uh, but apparently he didn't. Um, it might still exist, but apparently, at least at the time the movie came out, they registered that website. When you went on there, it was a picture of the Pope that they put up. <laughs> uh, so they, they were kind of messing with the audience a little bit. But yeah, apparently you could actually go, maybe still to this day, models with see-through tops. All right, let's try it. Super... <laughs> models with see through tops.com <laughs> uh let's see what's going to happen here it's got a picture of the pope yes it's in, still a po- <laughs> in a pope mobile uh and then there's like it's got a little link here it says say something 
You could fill out the following information and click the submit. It's got name, email address, contact, email response desired. Do not ever email. Why did you come here? What did you expect? What would you like to see here? Let's let's fill this in. All right. Let's see if we get a response here. Ben Waterworth. Oh, uh, no Groves. I'm gonna put. No, I'm, I'm gonna be real. I'm no no shame here. <laughs> it's Twenty years later, I'm not gonna get a response. Why did you come here? <laughs> Recording a podcast on about a boy. Thought would see if this works 20 years later. What did you expect? <laughs> the Pope. <laughs> what would you like to see here? The Pope. Models with see-through tops? The Pope. Uh, honestly, he's a good guy. <laughs> um, rip. This Pope, the new Pope, is cool. Uh, also, love the movie... Download the Oz Network. All right. Uh, submit. Let's see if we ever get a response from that. There's <laughs> probably like, I don't know, like uh, Nick Hornby or something like that or the White's Prize. They've probably forgotten about this. They're going to get an email. I'm like, what the fuck's this? I haven't got an email on this in like 17 years. It's like, oh, I'm going to reply to them. Uh, either that or I've just signed myself up for some spam, basically. Um, but I love it here when he's like, what, like, Exercise, three units. And he's like drinking a beer, playing pool, which is great. Uh, and then he's like getting his hair done, four units. And then Marcus calls him up. And I love how late was like, Marcus, Marcus. Oh, bloody hell, Marcus. Um, and so he's like, oh, we're going to hang out this Saturday. Um, because Marcus has basically come up with the idea that two is better than one. So he's going to try and set up Will with his mum. Uh, so he's all like, yep, Saturday, we're going to hang out. You're going to take us out for lunch. You're rich. We're poor. Uh, <laughs> like, I, I just love the balls on this kid. I was just like, you're rich. Like, this is me. I'm sorry. This is me in New York. I was just like, yeah, you, you're kind of nice. I'll hang out with you for a little bit, but you got money. I don't. So let's go out for lunch. <laughs> like your shout, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> Hello to everybody. I hung out with in New York. I'm kidding. Mostly. Um, so <laughs> basically... <laughs> He's uh, going to go out to lunch and we've got... <laughs> I love this lunch here. First of all, what this cafe is where they're ordering like steak sandwiches and that and they're sitting like on like a barely like... I don't like eating when it, you got to like lean forward or like use like... I want a table in front of me if I've got like a meal like that, right? Um, so like how they're going to eat, I don't know. And I love how like they've got the, um, you know, the awkwardness here and it's kind of like, oh, like... How you doing? And then I love how like Tony Collette's basically got, like, oh well, hopefully it's not something going around. <laughs> so, like, yeah, <laughs> that's my, funny. Um, like, yeah, my stomach feels great. <laughs> and then I love how um, he's kind of uh, he's like, oh well, you know, luckily uh, they weren't going to we weren't going to order um, order appetizers. <laughs> and Marcus is kind of like, I'll have this, this, and this. Yeah. And then uh, Tony Collette's like, I'll have this. Oh, we're vegetarians. Oh, I would never have guessed. I'll have the steak sandwich, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and then she gives a look. And then I kind of love the, like, the moments when, like, Marcus is like, oh, and it was going really, really good. I even told mum to wear a really nice woolly jumper. <laughs> <laughs> and I love, Will is kind of like, oh, and she was wearing something that made her look like some sort of Yeti or something like yeah, that. The, the woman was clearly <laughs> insane, and she was wearing some type of Yeti costume. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm looking at this guy. That is one god ugly jumper. Um, but then I like we got this whole situation where we get the first taste of killing me softly with this song, oh, killing me softly, uh, singing around the piano. Which is just like it's a nice little moment because like I think we've all got things that we have done with our parents or our family. Which if people like 
were there, they'd be like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Like, yeah. never singing for us. Like, I, I, this is a, I see this like in American things where Americans will sit around and sing. I don't know if they do that in Canada, but like, oh, I've I n- never known anyone to just sit around a piano and sing a song. Like, if I was in a household like that, I'm out the fucking door. Um, so I love kind of Will here who is kind of all like, oh, you should join in, Will. Oh, no, I should be off. <laughs> very awkward. Um, and this is where we get like a bit of a montage where it's kind of like Will like, like, oh, what? I'm compassionate. I care about things. Like that time I worked in the soup kitchen and lasted two seconds and you see him like walk past. All that time I volunteered for Amnesty International <laughs> and you got like all these people going like, oh, yes, like, save the children and did you know it's illegal to laugh in Burma so like you know every time think about that next time you watch a Burmese stand up comedian and then you got Will basically going like oh yes oh so you're in the bath right now oh okay <laughs> me again I've worked in call centres before um, which uh, we then kind of lead to Marcus begins to follow Will around a lot and you sort of hear Will saying in his uh narration like oh I started to feel like I was being followed or something like that Marcus shows up to Will's house and is basically like you don't have a kid it's like what you don't have a kid and it's like no I don't and what's it your business and I, this is where I love the relationship between these two because like we um like y- you think about back to the future it's kind of a bit creepy that Doc Brown is hanging out with a teenage kid but it's never addressed it's the 80s it's fine kid, same thing yeah, like these sort of movies where an old man is hanging out with a younger kid. It's fine. It's all good. Whereas, like, we look at it slightly differently today. So, like, you kind of have this going on here. Like, and you can tell Will's all, like, awkward. And he's kind of like, oh, like, I don't want this kid coming over to my house. Like, what the hell's going on? And then that's going to get addressed in a great scene very soon. But I kind of like here how, like, you've got Will kind of just, like, going, like, you know, bugger off, basically. And he's all, oh, I'm going to keep checking back. And I love Will going, like, oh, I'm scared. And then he's like, I was telling the truth. I actually was scared. <laughs> and this kind of starts the um, the whole situation where Marx is going to come around to Will's house every single day. I love it when Will turns up the music and he's, like, dinging on the doorbell, like, ding, ding, ding. I used to do that when I came around when I lived uh, out of home uh, with Louise and we'd come around for dinner on a Sunday night. And so we got this, like, really obnoxiously annoying doorbell on our front door. So, like, you know you'd generally ring it once, but like every time I came over, I would literally be like, going like ding, 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 ding. And like, and my mum and dad went to go, well, Ben's here. Uh, <laughs> hello. That's very much me. Um, and then, so this starts like a nice little montage. So he's coming over every day, basically to watch countdown, which I don't know what this is. We had a countdown show in Australia, which was like a sort of a music video show, like back in the seventies and eighties where they got like big name music acts on. So I've, some British show. Uh, and I kind of like this like montage where they're just like sitting on the couch. Um, and we sort of find out that he's doing this kind of the nice little moment between him and Will where it's like, I'm basically over here because I'm every day I see my mum basically passed out on the couch. So it's a way I kind of forget about it. Um, and yeah, maybe I'll sort of cap it there. Uh, cause actually we got like a, a weird little scene, not a weird little scene, but it's kind of like, I always forget there's like a Will flashback scene where he kind of has a vision of his dad. Um, and that's in the, the supermarket when he starts hearing mm. Santa's super sleigh and like, oh, bloody hell, it's November the 17th and they're already starting to play it. Um, so he kind of mentions a little bit about his dad. Uh, I love it when Marcus starts humming Santa super sleigh and then Will just like presses mute and he mutes him. If only we could do that in real life to Noah. Um, so... <laughs> 
Yeah. We did. Um, That's why we haven't had lost episodes in who knows how long. Exactly. Skim through it a little bit there. I'll stop just before we get uh, Will being chased, uh, Marcus being chased by bully kids. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you covered all the, the best stuff in the, the, the dinner date with Fiona and Marcus. Uh, with her, like, I, I actually still am kind of debating when he's asking, so uh, how are you doing? And she's like, oh, yeah, my stomach feels it. Does she not know that Will knows or is she like, this is something she doesn't want to discuss. She's like, I don't want to bring it. I think she, I this- think she, no, she knows. I think she's just making a joke out of it. Like, oh, ha ha. Like they pump my stomach. Like, oh, hope it's not going around. Like, I think she's just passing. Yeah. And that's why he's like awkwardly like, oh, you're making a joke about you trying to kill yourself. Like funny. That's, cause, cause like, it becomes a running thing in this movie where somebody's trying to address it and somebody else goes, no, no, don't talk about that. So I always kind of yeah. wonder, is this just sort of like, yeah, I don't want to talk about it. Cause I think all three of them are going to have one of those. Uh, will will have one of those. And Marcus will have one of those where somebody starts mentioning it. They're like, oh, um, yeah, I, I like that they they throw that in there because, again, it lightens the subject matter a little bit. And it's the way that uh, they say, you know, oh, 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 we're vegetarian. I never would have guessed. And he goes, steak sandwich. <laughs> like, <it's just> so <laughs> now, the look she gives them, I'm like, yeah. I don't know any, I, I'm, I'm happy to say I don't know any vegetarians like this. Like you, you expect, you know, people, vegetarians like, oh, eating, they're not all Natalie Portman. They don't all call us racists for eating meat. You know, <laughs> there are some good vegetarians in the world. <laughs> uh, but wow. uh, I will say this is a common thing for people to do the other way around though. You know, like, I, I, I don't know if somebody would do this to a vegetarian, but in comparison, I, I can't eat gluten. I will get very sick if I eat gluten. <laughs> uh, it will probably very much shorten my life if I eat gluten. And I can't tell you how many times people are like, hey, how about some gluten? How about some bread? Oh, and they'll make jokes out of it. I'm like, yeah, that's really funny. I got a disease. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Says the guy like, every time you mention Avril Lavigne, ha, she's got a disease. <laughs> the, the humor with that was that I was saying I didn't like Avril Lavigne. You're like, leave her alone. She's got a disease. I'm like, yeah, because that's what she's appreciated for, a disease. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, whatever disease she has, I'm sure people mock that too. But yeah, it's, it, that is a very common thing like for people to do. So I'm sure vegetarian, I don't, I've never known a vegetarian to be like, ah, you're eating meat, <laughs> you're an evil rapist. Like other than Natalie Portman, you're not going to say that. <laughs> but uh, but I, I'm sure meat eaters will mock vegetarians like that. I, as I know people do that with me and gluten. I'm sure when you were eating keto, you occasionally would have people joke around back on you know, keto. Like, there you go you're keto again so i'm, I'm gonna start joking around I'm like hey ben how would you like some my smiley fries would you like some carbs mango curry dip <laughs> but yeah it's it's it, the way he delivers that to me i think that's one of those underrated funny moments of this movie it's just how quickly he says that uh, and then the look she gives him is sort of like oh you're evil um they, they don't was it at this part of the movie or was it later on where they marcus and fiona have the conversation about did you always know i was gonna be a vegetarian i th- is that this there's a scene where they kind of like are walking along yeah. the street which i think is in between here yeah i think that's that scene there yeah if it's not we'll just say it's in this part of the movie but that scene's gonna be very important later on and and that's what as many times i've seen this movie i've never quite put two and two together that the scene that she, where he says, did you always know I was going to be a vegetarian? She goes, no. And it's like, I just, I, I, I hoped you would be, you know, but you make your own choices. And he's like, well, but you don't let me eat at McDonald's and you don't buy anything. It's like, well, I'm not going to buy meat just for you mm-hmm. unless you want it, right? Uh, that's going to be important later in the movie with the, the whole reason why he does the concert, which I'm sure subconsciously I put that together, but never quite connected the dots. 
Um, yeah, I love that Yeti costume. I do <laughs> some sort of a Yeti costume. Mum was wearing a nice like- woolly jumper. <laughs> But yeah, like it's it's showing like the difference in the person. Like that's where Marcus, it's like there are areas where Marcus knows, hey, I'm not normal. She's not normal. But there's other areas where he's just like the way that he hums all the time and doesn't realize it. Right. To him, he thinks this is a nice woolly jumper and yeah. not that it's a Yeti costume. I love that about Marcus's character. It's like you, you can't really guess whether he's going to get it or not get it. Uh, him following Will around too, like He's the stalker here. I mean, if anybody's the predator, it's yeah. Marcus. It's not Will. Uh, I would love him to bring that up later on. But uh, the way that Will responds too, where he goes, "I'm uh, busy." He goes, "You busy doing what?" I'm uh, watching TV. <laughs> he doesn't answer like, "Okay, I'm just watching TV." His answer, "I'm just watching TV," is his confidence of, "I'm busy." This means busy, right? Yeah. Um, another area to uh, identify with Will, though, that I identify with Will is the whole units thing, like you mentioned. Uh, I, I, I'm still to a certain degree, very obsessive compulsive, but like I had borderline full OCD when I was a teenager, uh, to the point where if I, if I were coming home from somewhere, I would have to run through my head, everything I would do step-by-step I'm like, okay, I'm going to put my key in the door. I'm going to turn my key to the right. I'm going to open the door. I'm going to close the door. I'm like, I'm going to go downstairs to my room. And then I'm like, wait a second. I forgot to take my shoes and I have to start again. I'm going to put the key in. I basically got to the point where I was annoying myself because I would have to walk around the block two or three times before I could bring myself to walk through a door. Wow. Uh, but one of the things that that still to this day is the whole unit thing. And it's not something I got from Boy. It's something that I just, I naturally was like that too. I'm like, okay, so this is about this amount of time. And then this is this amount of time. So uh, if I, if I'm taking a shower and I'm making breakfast and I'm doing this, I got approximately you know two, two hours and 20 minutes or whatever before I have to do this. Uh, yep. that I'm sure that's something that everybody does, but yeah, it, I do it's, that. Absolutely. It, it, still to this day. I mean, and, and it's funny because I, I don't know, maybe this is a guy thing. Uh, Jamie is like the exact opposite. I, she'll say, to her, yeah, I think we'll, uh, we'll probably be eating supper around, I don't know, five 30 and it'll be like six 45. And she's like, sorry, I didn't realize it would take this long. I'm like, okay. So like, <laughs> Break down in your mind how long this took so the next time when you make it, you can say it'll be ready in two hours as opposed to 45 minutes, you know? I'm pretty sure every um, relationship I've been in, I've been involved with women who are that way inclined and yeah, sometimes their mothers, mother-in-laws are even worse <laughs> and you just want to stab them. So Yeah, yes. we're, we're, Ben never did stab any of them and if any of them die from stabbing, well, it was not him. It was. I had a right to with one of them, but we'll get into that on the <laughs> Patreon episode next month if you can... <laughs> Delve into our pain, the Patreon truth. <laughs> but but we're not saying that this is the way all women are. We're saying that women we've experienced well. are like this. And it's the same. Like, <laughs> I, Sure, we find that annoying. But Jamie also gets annoyed with me saying, oh, this is going to take this long. This is going to be this amount of time. Like me breaking everything down to units. She gets annoyed with that too. Because sometimes she's like, just fly by the seat of your pants every once in a while. You, know? you don't yeah. have to plan everything up meticulously. But His wrong. whole routine. Well, like his routine, <laughs> if they're wrong, uh, his routines too. I mean, this is again where it's like the character is not as cool as you think because he's not living his life. He's he's sitting there watching TV. You know, he's well, he's getting his hair done. <laughs> he's not doing anything. Fancy. What's the line he says here when he's kind of like, I just don't have time for a job. I don't know how people have jobs like that. <laughs> again, that's how I relate to that because I'm like, God, why do I want to pay job? Like I couldn't podcast i couldn't read i couldn't play my game like what's well i don't want to work yeah. like what what am i talking about oh, this is a joke by the way people are listening please hire me i need a job 
especially if you're in the NBA. Um, <laughs> he, he will give it everything he has. <laughs> yes, New York Knicks, I will coach you. I am uh, just as good as Whoopi Goldberg. So, um, the the montage, like you said, of all the the jobs he's had. That my my favorite one is is just the the timing and the editing of you know it's like I I volunteered or whatever soup kitchen. And I nearly made it too, right? As he's like, gets right to the line. He's like, nah, change my mind. That's me. Yep. <laughs> um, of course, I can't not mention my favorite line in this entire movie where they're singing the Killing Me Softly. He's like, the worst part was when they closed their eyes. Because <laughs> that's a pet peeve of mine. Like you mentioned, like people breaking out in songs. It's not so much something that I see here. What I hate is uh, people will just randomly break out a guitar. Like if you're at a barbecue, or anything like that. Even if you just get together with somebody else, somebody just break out an acoustic guitar and like, dum, 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 dum. They I've won't never been to a place like that. And I'm glad I have <laughs> yeah, I'm so tired. Everybody does that. It's it's so annoying too, because it's like, it's cheesy. And nobody wants to hear you pluck the strings of your acoustic guitar when you're not even playing a song. People, oh, this will be a fun thing to do. A lot of people around. Let me start That's strumming my guitar. Actually, the only time I ever experienced that is a lie. I was in America, funnily enough. It was at T-Bird's place. <laughs> and I think it was... Um, so T-Bird's husband, Glenn, his son was over. So then, like, he got a guitar out and he started twanging along and Glenn started singing and T-Bird was dancing and I'm just sort of like, I'm sitting there on the thing awkwardly going, yee-haw. Uh, the, the worst part is when they close their eyes. <laughs> I, like, like, I like singing, uh, but I would never sing in front of people. Like, karaoke, sure. Like, you, we've, we've made the pact, you, know and I, that whenever we get together and hang out, we're going to go do karaoke. Like, I'm all down for that. I used to love SingStar and, like, rock band and all that sort of stuff. But I'm shit singer. I'm not going to, like, you know, I'll sing Die Another Day on 007, download now, and I'll do that singing segment I used to do on The Brink. But, like, I'm not going to be, like, in a gang of friends. A, don't have any friends. And B, I'm not going to be sitting, hey, I'm right, here's the guitar. Strumming my hand in my fingers. Singing now in the song. Like, No. Listen, if, if you are one of those people out there who breaks out a guitar for random reasons at a get-together, you can drop dead. You know what? Don't listen. You don't hey, deserve to listen to our show. If you're paying us on Patreon, fine, do it. I mean, we'll join yeah, you. Oh, yeah, you're but good. Keep doing that, please, Chris. Dead. We love yeah. you. Chris is great. Chris, sing along. Send us in your acoustic. <laughs> we'll play it on the show. Like, absolutely. But if you don't we'll pay, fuck our- off. We'll even close our eyes and sing along with you. Like we'll do it all for money, but no. Exactly. Uh, we do anything for money. God, <laughs> pay me enough. I love Taylor Swift. She's great. Um, fantastic. Die Another Day is the worst Bond movie of all time. If you pay me enough, go for it. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm gonna make sure to loop that in at some point. I'll play it. Oh, uh, just edit it out. What time stamp was that one? <laughs> You'll never hear that again. Uh, my next note. Do you seriously tell me I'm not the only one where you'll make a note and it'll only be 24 hours later and you're like. What did I mean by that? <laughs> My note says zoo station buzzer, but then no. because it's broken up on two lines, I didn't realize that's zoo station, the buzzer, like because it's the, the YouTube song zoo station that's playing that he's buzzing along with. So I wrote down zoo station buzzer, but I reread it as zoo station buzzer. But yes, I love the, the zoo station buzzer or the zoo station buzzer scene. I love uh, pet rescue on tv i used to is watch that a that real show team? is that a, it it is. Is a real show yeah, it is uh i mean i'm assuming the whole point of this is to show that 
Countdown came on after Pet Rescue, I'm assuming. But um, no, I remember my mum used to love these shows all the time. So I used to watch them as well. Like they, there was this weird trend. You know when all was like, I mean, who was a millionaire? Like when that came out in Australia, each of the other major networks had their version of like something yeah. millionaire trivia. Like they had their own version. So there was a trend at some point in the 2000s where it was like, pet shows like we had harry's practice in australia where a tasmanian like a tv vet and then like 50 other clones popped up you know because people liked watching little doggies getting rescued and it was a cute show i liked it but um we should also mention here marcus is getting chased from school because he's getting bullied these kids are throwing candy at him um he gets chased to will's house will stands up to them and then basically um will's all like yeah, there's a reason why you're getting bullied because you're wearing shit shoes and shit clothes because you're poor. So I'm going to go out and buy you cool shoes, which this, I mean, this movie does not feel dated until they go and buy sketches. Like everything about this movie holds up. I mean, even the CD player looks modern enough that it doesn't look dated. Uh, maybe when he's in the record store buying CDs, but sketches, like you literally see the ones on the wall that had the fucking rollerblade things. Do you remember them? I remember my friend wanted a pair of them, the ones that like popped out in your shoes. Yeah. Like he, I had a friend, he was obsessed with sketches. I thought they were the ugliest shoes and I did not understand why these were a thing. Did you ever get into the sketches I, trend? No, I think I had a pair once, but it wasn't something that I bought. My, my brother's best friend, their parents owned several shoe stores so whenever he went to their house, he'd always come home with like all these shoes. And, you know, he, he has bigger feet than he's always had bigger feet than me. So I would get his hand-me-down shoes as we were growing up, even though I was two years older than him. Uh, so I, I did have a pair, but it wasn't something that I sought out and bought. You know what they say about men with big feet, big shoes. It's a lie. <laughs> That's what I say. <laughs> <laughs> I say that. I say that. I say that because. Just whip it out constantly with your brother. I, hey, Ian, well, <laughs> let's have a I look. Don't know. I don't know what his size is, but I know that I assume because he has bigger feet than me, I assume my entire life I had small feet. And I'm like, yeah, checks out. <laughs> I definitely have small feet, but I've only learned now as an adult, Wait. but I actually have, qu- I have quite, apparently I have quite large feet, just not in my brother's level, but I'm so like, I okay, I have large feet, but the rest of the anatomy does not match my large. Feet. I was going to say, I don't understand where you're going with this. Either <laughs> you have like a very large penis cause you've got small feet definitely or you've got a, not. Okay. All right. Good to clarify. I have very That's- large. I have very large feet, and the anatomy everywhere else does not match my feet based on what people say it's supposed to match. Well, to me, it's more the isn't it the whole like from the tip of your like finger to the bottom of your palm? That's what they say. So. Um, oh yeah, I'm yeah. not there. <laughs> I got big hands apparently too. <laughs> I mean, I I would go on a probably a yes with that. Uh- <laughs> Jamie, come and have a look. Um, what, 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 I'm just curious. What size are your shoes? Oh, God, Jesus. Where are you going? <laughs> I'm curious, man. What size is your penis? Well, I, uh, I'm, looking at, I'm looking at your hand. I'm trying to figure out which one of these old wives' tales is true. That was very full on of you, Colin. I'm curious, man. How big is your penis? Um... <laughs> You don't have to show me, just... Oh, well, I'll whip it out. Um, What size are my shoes? Uh, Your I shoes. I am like... I'm like a 10 US, 11 US, See, I think. Yeah, and I think you're, you're what, maybe an inch or two taller than I am? Am, am I? Um, I think you are. I am I'm a, a US like- size 10, which is a UK 9, a Europe 44, or a BR Brazilian 42. 
Cool. Yeah, and see, I'm like I'm like five eight, and I have eleven and a half to twelve size shoes. My brother is like five nine, and he wears size thirteen. So uh, big feet run in our family. Just that's the only big thing that runs in our family, apparently. Um, I use the normal metric system, so I'm 175 centimeters, which apparently is five foot seven. So um, oh, then yeah. So I think we're about the same height then, because I'm five yeah. eight generously. I, I, I don't know. I haven't seen you in like four years. Uh- <laughs> I was fat last time I saw you. So <laughs> you were thin last time I saw you. So I don't know what's happening. Um, so anyway, sketches. Um, Marcus gets them stolen. As you said, it's kind of the only real time we see him like crying or upset fully. And he kind of has this moment with his mum where he's basically like, oh, my sneakers got stolen. It's like, oh, you know, but you had shit shoes. And I, I love how they call them trainers. Like this is very British. Like, oh, my, my trainers got stolen. Um so we get this, I love this scene when Will's out having dinner with his sister here and we get um, Tony Collette having this full-on yelling match, like basically like, what the hell are you doing hanging out with my boy? Why are you bringing 12-year-olds around the house? I often get this. This happens to me daily. Uh, <laughs> why are you this hanging out with Noah- 12-year-olds? <laughs> this is what Noah's parents said when you hired him for the Oz Network. <laughs> <laughs> Funny, Jamie yelled at me that time when I was alone with Casper for too long. Um <laughs> But, like, the thing that I love about this is I kind of love Will, like, standing up. Like, I love how, like, I love yeah. the relationship between Hugh Grant and, I was about to say Hugh Jackman, Hugh Grant and Tony Collette because, like, they work so well off each other where it kind of is, like, you know, it's never implied. Well, well five minutes is implied that they're maybe going to get together, but they're so opposite they're not. But I just kind of love Will here. I was just basically like, like, what the fuck? No, he shows up every single fucking day. I can't get rid of him. It's not on me at all. Just because you try to, like, kill yourself. And he goes to say it. Then what does he jump in and say like hippopotamus or something like yeah. that. <laughs> um, and then the, the thing that I like really like though, is that kind of like whenever they get into these fights, like Tony Clare always realizes like, fuck, you're right. Like it's kind of always done in that way where it's just kind of like, oh yeah, actually no, you're right. <laughs> and then just when you think like she's going, like Will wins basically like, like, no, just like leave me alone. I don't want anything to do with you. You're crazy. Your son, like get him to leave me alone. Um, she just kind of sits down and she's just sort of like, she's just going to leave then. You just, that's how, you know, you're so selfish. And I love like his sister's like, oh, he really is so selfish. She's like, no, no, I'm not selfish. Like it's only me. Like how can I be selfish when it's just me? Um, again, I weirdly relate to this scene, <laughs> but it's just, I, I just kind of like the way they kind of like set this up where it's, it goes from the question a lot of people would be asking about how the hell are you going to like let this 12 year old hang out with a grown man to, well, you know, it's not creepy, but like, it's kind of like, yeah, well you should stick around. You're kind of in his life now. So I kind of like that. And then Marcus, do you want to come over for Christmas? (laughs) (laughs) You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the mighty ducks when Bombay comes around to Charlie's house and is like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. All right. Is that enough? Do you want to say for dinner? It's like, Charlie, yeah. well, uh, what are you having? <laughs> it's just that scene. But then I love kind of Will here when he's basically just like, you know, like I think Christmas really like shows you where you're at at life. Like for me, it was I'm going to sit around watching a movie and getting stoned. Um, and and maybe it does like date it when he's like going into store and he buys a VHS. Like there was a yeah. scene before when he's like dating the woman and I loved it, like the little montage when he's kind of like, Oh God! And I couldn't. She could never come around to my house because of her kids. So we always had to sit around on her couch and watch TV shows. And the little boy always has leukemia. <laughs> it's like she didn't even have a DVD <laughs> player. 
<laughs> like, I kind of like that moment. Uh, so I don't know why he's got a VHS of Frankenstein here, but, you know, we see the scene of Frankenstein. It's like, you know, not alone, friend. So next scene, he's at Christmas, and this is one of my favourite scenes of the movie because we meet my favourite underrated, <laughs> underdisclosed character of the movie. No, it's not the random dad of uh, of Marcus. No, it's not his girlfriend. It's the mum. It's like, this is my girlfriend, Lindsay, and this is Lindsay's mum, and she kind of has this little, like, hello. <laughs> like, she <Ooh>. the- <laughs> so, like, I love this bit where they're giving out presents, and basically, I love uh, the narration here from Will. It's basically like, he could be excited over the shittest presents. And it's like, <laughs> Dad, you got me socks. Great. Oh, Mum, you got me a tambourine. And this is the thing I randomly love. Like, I love the fact you got Will uh, Marcus's dad here, who's just like some weird guy who's never explained who he is, why he's there, and all that sort of stuff. It's just like, okay. <laughs> and then so Will gives him a CD. Uh, <laughs> I love it how he's like, Oh, what is this? Oh, it's it's world music. Shake your ass. Oh, with a bit of rap. And then the mother here, shake her ass. Oh, is he Moroccan? <laughs> and it took me a while to get it. It's like shake, like a shake your ass. Yeah. And then what is it later on when it brings up the duck? And it's like, oh, duck. Oh, you're having duck. Lovely. <laughs> Don't forget. Are you a professional Santa as well? <laughs> She's the best thing about this whole sequence and one of the best things about this movie. I love this woman. Um, but um, so he gets a CD player as well. I kind of like that. Um, I love it when he says, like, it's world music. And I love, like, Tony Collette, who's kind of like, oh, yes, good, good. Oh, I like the sound of that. Shake your ass. And she's just like, what? <laughs> but then um, Olivia Wilde diet, diet coke Olivia Wilde comes over. <laughs> see that they look so similar like no, i don't think how see you can i literally thought like They're oh it's blonde. olivia wilde <laughs> but like literally when she came over it was like olivia wilde i'm like she'd be like 15 at this time in life so that can't be her um but i love uh marcus giving the single parents like is this meant to be a joke it's like yes it's actually quite funny <laughs> <laughs> that's uh that's a common review sometimes of the Oz network every eighth episode <laughs> it's actually quite funny <laughs> <laughs> But um, so Diet Olivia Wilde comes over. Um, oh, how's Ned? And I kind of like you know sort of Marcus standing up here like his will goes to leave and it's like no like he's my friend too. And ever since I killed that duck and I love how like everyone sort of laughs at that moment. But I, I kind of like this moment with Will when they're sitting around the table and he's just basically like you know like oh you know we sat around eating like nutmeg loaf and whatever it is. But like I actually realized something. I was enjoying myself. And it's kind of like, oh, like, you know, Will's having a nice little moment there where he's kind of enjoying his time around this. Uh, and then it kind of leads into this whole section where he's talking about Marcus and it's like, oh, and he he made me go out on New Year's Eve and that's when I met someone. And who is it? It's Daniel Craig's oh. wife. <laughs> Rachel Wise. I always forget he's in this movie. Like, Yeah, because it's a very you know, small role. Yeah, she's an hour into this film. But... um. Controversial opinion. Does she look more attractive here than the Mummy movies? Yes, I yes. completely agree. She's uh, gorgeous. In fact, um, in my notes here, this is another one of my notes where I woke up this morning. I'm like, what did I write here? Because I wrote nut loaf with parsnip gravy. Yum. Uh, and I'm like, why did I write yum for the parsnip gravy? Was I sarcastic? Then I realized, no, when she appeared on screen, I just wrote in my notes, capital letters with an exclamation mark, yum. 
So <laughs> she is the yummy part of this Christmas New Year's dinner. I was going to say, like, did she get connected to Daniel Craig because of the Whites brothers and, like, Golden Compass? But oh. seeing here, they met in 2010 and were married. In- I thought Dreamhouse? they were together for long- longer than that. Yeah, it was. Was it before or after? Did they do Dreamhouse? They had been friends for many years and worked together on Dreamhouse. So she was, she was dating Darren Aronofsky, um, and they were engaged. That was when Hugh Jackman was a tree. That was the Hugh Jackman's a tree movie. (laughs) In November two thousand and ten, Weiss and Aronofsky announced that they had been apart for months but remained close friends. So okay. So November 2010, they're officially broken up, and then Daniel Craig and Rachel Weiss started dating in December 2010. Mm, Rachel, curious. Rachel, Rachel, what were you <laughs> doing? Uh, <laughs> like to see how that goes along. Um, but uh, yeah, no, she looks great, and so does Hugh, Hugh Grant. So does yeah. Tony Collette. I don't want to say Nicholas Holt. It's probably a bit creepy, but he looks great now. <laughs> That's the main thing. Uh, but he's on this date, and then sort of. A bit of a lie sort of comes out here when, again, it's sort of like, oh, so what do you do? Oh, I do nothing. And then sort of they're talking about rap music and it sort of he's like, oh, I know a 12-year-old who might disagree that rap's crap. And it's like, oh, me too. And it's sort of he comes up with this little reasoning of like, well, I didn't technically lie, um, which, you know. Uh, <laughs> you didn't. This, this is very much the, so I told the truth from a certain point of view. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, so he kisses her at New Year's Eve and it's all like, oh, Hugh Grant, Rachel Weiss, they're getting together. Um, and then uh, meanwhile, Marcus is going to get up here with Ellie as he's singing Shake Your Ass, Watch Yourself. I like Ellie. She's kind of funny how she's just kind of like, oi, you having a laugh? Like, what are you doing? She's very like Cockney geezer. She's like, oi, what are you telling me? Shake your ass. You want to stand up for that, are you? Or you like rap music? You having a laugh? Like... <laughs> Go on, Colin, give us your, your Cockney, Michael Caine. Like. No! <laughs> wow, what was that? <laughs> no! <Pass> the <laughs> wow, you are terrible at accents. Um, <laughs> they all turn out like Schwarzenegger for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best sound effect you can do. <laughs> 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 um, but I do, I do like it here when she's just basically like, Stop going around telling people, shake your ass. And then basically he's just like, shake your, uh, watch yourself. <laughs> Show me what you're working with. Shake your, uh. <laughs> like, I kind of like the way they do it. And one thing I actually really like, kind of like about this, like, whatever it is, it's it's just left open-ended. You don't actually know if these two, because, like, she's obviously much older than him. Yeah. But, like, kind of like at the end when they're sort of, she's over for Christmas and he's like, oh, so, like, is she your girlfriend? And he's just kind of like, ah, ha, ha, doesn't really say anything. Um, so this is, uh, so she is the esteemed Natalia Tenner. Game uh, of Thrones. Oh, okay. I have no clue that she's, uh, something. Harry she Potter. Was, I was going to say she was in a Harry Potter movie here. Uh, a few Harry Potter movies. Um, she was in, I love you stupid. Cool. <laughs> um, yeah. You know what? It's, uh, it's funny because I, I don't care for the Harry Potter movies at all. Um, in fact, I, re- I recently, this is complete tangent here, recently read an article uh, which was uh, m- short movies that people wish were longer and the Harry Potter movies. I'm like, are you serious? Have those Harry Potter movies still haven't finished and I started watching them six years ago. Like, <laughs> come on, you can't get longer, more drawn out than those movies. But uh, Jamie made me rewatch all the Harry Potter movies and I'm like, she is so bland in those movies 
And it's the same thing in Game of Thrones. Like she's just sort of like she's in a lot of Game of Thrones, but she's just sort of there and bland. I don't know what it is because she has so much personality in About a Boy. And every time I see her pop up in Game of Thrones, I'm always like, oh, yeah, she was really good in About a Boy. Like what happened? Like maybe one day she's going to have something else exciting. But like obviously she's gotten big breaks since About a Boy. I mean, she's been in two massive franchises, but nothing that really equals the, the personality and charisma she has in this movie. Looking at a thing, I don't think I've seen her in anything else. So, yeah, good for her. Well, I've seen the Harry Potter movies, but I barely remember them. Um, so, Will basically is now going to use Marcus because uh, he's going to go on dates with Rachel Weiss. Uh, he goes over to her house and we kind of get this. <laughs> I actually really like the um, Rachel Weiss's son. Like, Allie, he's, yeah. he's kind of funny. So, they meet in the room and it's like, no one else likes my mum, only I do. <laughs> <laughs> He's actually a really good actor, this kid, because, like, he's got yeah. some really good, like, facial expressions and everything. Like, I love this whole, like, real British, like, greeting here when Rachel Weisz, like, introduced him to Hugh Grant. And Hugh Grant's like, Ali, you all right? And he's just kind of like, yeah, all right? Like, there's such a British <laughs> thing when they just, they don't say hello. They're just kind of like, oh, yeah, all right? Yeah, all right. Mm-hmm. Like, um, it's the one that used to always annoy me is like back in the good old chat room days, whenever you used to meet someone from the UK. So rather than just like, hey, how are you? Good, blah, blah, blah. Show us your tits, whatever. Um, that, that was <laughs> girls that's, what that, that's what they said to me to clarify. <laughs> I had a nice pair of man boobs back then. Um, but like whenever you talk to someone from, the, from Britain, they were like, hey, you okay? Like that was their version of how are you? What? And it used to, it used to always confuse me, and I'd always turn around and go, "Yeah, yeah why wouldn't my I be?" Feeling okay, <laughs> and they would, and they would always go off at you like, oh, "I'm just asking," and I'm like, well, "Why are you like you okay?" Like it was like, "What?" Like speak. You're the when I say speak English, I shouldn't be saying it to an English person because <laughs> you invented the language. Like, <laughs> but no, apparently not. Um, but I also love like if you look at the stuff on his walls, he's got like um. Ali G. I think he's got like Austin Powers yeah. on his wall, like Heather Graham um, and like Limp Biscuit, all the cool stuff. And he's got a thing. I was wondering I'm... if that was Limp Biscuit. Is that like cartoon Limp Biscuit or something? Yeah, well, they had a, I think they did an album where they're all like animated on their album. And the, he loves oh, Arsenal, yeah. shit team. But I'm also looking here, he's got a sticker on his wall, Kangaroo Poo. Uh, I don't know if that was like a, I don't know what that is, that logo, Kangaroo Poo. Well, maybe I'll Google that. But um, <laughs> I love it kind of like how, you know, Will's learning here is like everything that she said was like so interesting and I just wanted to kiss her all the time. Um, he, Marcus storms out. They sort the relationship out. Um, and I might just sort of go here to where they have the um, the little, I guess, fight where, um, you know, Marcus is basically saying to Will like, you know, look, look, if you really like her, tell her the truth. So he reveals the truth to Rachel Weiss that he's not really his son. He does it awkwardly. Again, I'm not saying I've ever lied about having a kid before on dates, but, like, I've definitely been here where, like, not that I've lied, but, like, you kind of say something and you kind of go, like, oh, fuck, how do I get out of this? Yeah. Um, yeah, this is so, over. <laughs> and then, like, kind of he storms out and then he's going to be mopey for the next bit. But I, I've covered a bit there, but Rachel Weiss, she's in this movie now. Is this our first, oh, is this our first Hugh Grant movie? Is this our first Rachel Weiss movie? That we've I think done? it is, yeah. I mean, we've hmm. been talking about doing the mummies forever. Yeah, but uh, first Hugh Grant and first Rachel Weisz and first Nicholas Holt film. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> oh, checking all the boxes. First, uh, first, um, what's what's the the uh, Smurfette? Uh- <laughs> no. Tony Collette. Have we done Tony Collette movie before? I don't think so. <clears throat> huh. Look at us. You know, you know, it's we're, funny. We're this, is, this is 
delayed, but when you're saying earlier about Tony Collette, like this was like a couple oh, years done, after. Oh, we're done, Sorry to interrupt. The favorite. Ugh. Have we? How come I wasn't invited? What? The favorite. Oscar Oh, okay. Ugh. We've done, yeah. Sh- and uh, Black Widow. <laughs> we did a review of Black Widow, so yeah. Oh, she was so good in that movie. Uh, but uh, yeah, with, with Tony Collette, you were saying like this is a couple years after The Sixth Sense. Uh, the Sixth Sense was what? About four or five years after Miro's wedding. Uh, mm. It sort of made me realize she's one of these actresses who... It's, she's never really gone away. It's just it, every few years, something comes out with Tony Collette where people are like, wow, she's amazing. And they Guy forget Pierce. her. <laughs> exactly. A lot like Guy Pierce. Uh, I mean, she had Miro's wedding. She had the sixth sense. She had mm-hmm. about a boy. Then was a couple years after that, she had that uh, TV show, the United States of uh, mm, terror or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, what was that movie she did with David Duchovny and um, Nina Vidalis? They were oh, drag yeah, queens. Connie and Carla. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that one bombed, but it's got a huge cult following, too. It was only a couple of years ago, though, where there was this horror movie that she was in called Hereditary mm, that I never saw. said she it. was robbed of an Oscar for that one. A lot yeah, of people, like that yeah. was probably the best reviewed horror film since The Exorcist or something. But uh, yeah, she, she just sort of disappears and comes back and people remember how great she is. Uh, and she's fantastic in this movie, too. I mean, everybody's sunshine. Little, I forgot. There you go. Another one I completely forgot about. Little Miss Sunshine. Uh, she's very good at working with kids too. I never quite yeah. realized. It's the same thing in the United States of Terror or whatever, and uh, uh, this and Sixth Sense. I mean, half the stuff she does, she's apparently with children. She's um Daniel Craig connection. She's in Knives Out. Still haven't seen it. Oh, is she? I still haven't seen it Probably. either. I know the yeah. the sequel's coming out now too. It's a Ryan um, Johnson movie. Do we really want to watch it? <laughs> I was I was gonna say on on a real not not die Olivia Wilde, but real Olivia Wilde. Uh, there's a trailer that I saw. It basically looks like the Stepford Wives, but uh, it's it's a movie that uh, Olivia Wilde directed. When you actually look up the cast, she has a small supporting role in it, but 90% of the shots in the trailer are of her. So, Ben, you have found your dream woman because she has directed her first film. Olivia Wilde directed this movie and is clearly a vanity project because she is in almost the entire trailer despite not speaking any lines of dialogue in the trailer or clearly having anything to do with the story. So... You Mom, and her Mom, can Cockburn. make vanity projects. You go make make some Cockburn vanity projects together. Well, you need to watch uh, Rush. You need to watch. You get to see Olivia Wilde and Chris Rush. Hemsworth hook up. Oh, you have seen Rush. Yeah, okay. I just haven't seen it in a long time. I forgot she was in it. Um, oh, I was gonna say. Oh yeah. So the the one line I actually forgot at the um, uh, this dinner scene here is where the the uh, sister or whatever saying is like, "You really want to die childless and alone?" He goes, "Well, fingers crossed." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, this this restaurant blow up scene is so great. One of the other things where I'm like, if you actually watch the movie closely enough, like they're not trying to make Hugh Grant such a loser where everybody's like, oh, this guy. But like he, there's there's subtle moments where he's like, he's not as cool as you think. When uh, Fiona comes in and starts talking, about, what are you doing with my teenage boy? The waitress who obviously knows Hugh Grant because they refer to my first name here. She just goes, oh, God, like and not like, oh, they're making a scene, but basically like, oh, I knew it. <laughs> like, there's like this weird, subtle resentment thing where she's like, oh, it's that guy. I bet she's a child molester in real life. He's probably like, oh, she digs me. And meanwhile, she's like, oh, him. The, 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 nobody goes out, outright hating Hugh Grant in this movie until he does something wrong. But uh, but with her, it's kind of this little subtle moment. Uh, I love the Christmas scene, too, because uh, where we don't even realize that the, the breakup with what's her name was Smurfette. Uh, mm. Diet Wild, where the breakup happens off camera. Like the last we saw them, he was still posing as this fictional father of Ned. And you get that they're already not together here. This is months later. So we never find out what happened. And I kind of like it that way, you know, because yeah, the too. movie doesn't need to explain everything that happens. And it also makes 
for this funny interaction. It's almost like she found out and stopped calling him or something. He's like, oh, well, she's obviously going to find out. So I'm not going to bother with her anymore. Uh, even just the little ways where, where she's having it. Oh, was it little Ned or whatever? Go, yeah, yeah, that's good. Uh, the Where Will keeps saying, like, he's my friend. You know, you should be nice to him. This is one of those moments where you actually feel for Will. Because like, yeah. yeah, he's right. Like, you don't have to keep picking on the guy. He, that this is that where he uh, I think it's because of that he brings up. Do you even remember why we met Will in the first place? Because you tried to, and then Will's like, because you tried to kill a duck with a loaf of bread, and, and then even laugh. yeah, yeah, even Diet Wild just bursts out laughing there. Because I like I like um, where Mark is. He's basically like like oh, so he lied about a baby. It was a two week thing. So what on the grand scheme of things? Like like he's yeah. that really that bad? Like it's like okay, fair he, point. He even says people at school do worse stuff than this every single day. Yeah. Um, I, I, of course, the old the old lady's fantastic. I, where, where she's like, "Lovely, we're having duck, delicious." <laughs> Are you a professional, <laughs> but, uh, Carol Singer? How lovely! <laughs> <laughs> but like, let's her. also not not gloss over um, Marcus's dad here, who's yeah. just like the the most hilariously bland person ever. It's like, so how are you doing? It's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> how you and Jamie <laughs> <laughs> the most Jenny from accounts wasn't the- wasn't at work that day, so you had somebody <laughs> else to play with you. Yeah. yeah, like the most person I would get out of this guy is with the socks. Where Mark's like, "Oh, great, thanks, Dad." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a muppet. <laughs> Who is <laughs> Kenny? Who is this guy? We gotta look. We gotta look up him. This is like such a, like a, like it's a, when you watch Notting Hill, but like a lot of the, you know, the side characters, the friends of like uh, Hugh Grant's ca- character and that, like, this is a great thing about British well, comedies like is like, uh, Reece, yeah, well, yeah, he's one of them, but like, there's sort of a whole group of other people in there. Like there's one of the, um, one of the main characters in the Vicar of Dibley, she's in it and sadly she's no longer with us anymore, but she's hilarious. Um, oh, but like, so I, I started. I started watching that show. I think last year because you told me. To. Oh, Which one? Alice, the the dumb, the the dumb uh, one. The oh, Virger. she's she's dead. Yeah, she died. Oh, a few years ago now. She had like a brain tumor. So it was sad. Oh, like uh, the Vicar of Dibley, the majority of that cast are dead. <laughs> like I'm not trying to laugh, but like outside of Dawn French and um the the son who gets with Alice, um the majority of luck have died. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, but no, like this is what a, British comedies do very well. Like their side characters are very memorable. Yeah. Well, like Bridget Jones. That's one of the other things. Oh hell She's yeah! Her, her Come friends. the fuck yeah. on, Bridget. Like that. Yeah. I quote that all the time. <laughs> um, oh, we used to I, do I those movies. I, I haven't watched them in a long time. I still haven't seen the third one. I, but the, the third one I actually didn't mind. The second one was like, well, that was a waste of time. I didn't um, mind the second one. I actually read the books. Believe it or not, I remember back in high school. I liked see, the movie I, so much. I read the books. I. I saw the second one mostly just because of Hugh Grant. Like I, I didn't mind the first movie, but I, I didn't have the Love trailer the for the second one. didn't look good. But I remember hearing what the plot was of the book for the second one and being like, well, that would make a great movie. And then it basically looks like they used none of the book and they just made a planned, yeah. predictable story. Uh, but the fight scene in the second one is like better than the fight scene in the first. I'll say <laughs> that's my is that uh, the, the fountain. The fountain's the second one, isn't it? That's this the one you're talking one, yeah. about. That's my yeah. that's my go to karaoke song that they use in it. I believe in a thing called love. Just listen to the rhythm of your heart. Like I love that song. The darkness, great song. Now, I don't know the name of the dad, so I can't find it here. But, but looking through the cast, Tim Rice is in this movie playing himself. What scene is that? Is is he? Oh, is he uh, playing himself? Yeah, it says Sir Tim Rice as himself. Huh. I have to look huh. up a picture here and see if I could see. Is he him. like 
is he the one of the people in like the the concert at the end? Is he like playing a piano or something like that? Well, or I, is that it, him? it might make sense if that was him. But I even tried looking up Tim Rice about a boy, seeing if I could find a screenshot. I'm like, oh, I remember that part. Don't even see any screenshots of him. So I have no clue who he is. Maybe, Maybe it's like a deleted t- scene, TV or something like. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's weird. I didn't know that. But uh, but yeah, the dad's hilarious too. Um, the Christmas scene is one of the best parts of the movie. Um, the scene the scene where he meets Ellie. Uh, <laughs> Now, now, the the best part of this movie is where he's explaining, as he calls it, the rap. I was just listening to the rap music. He goes, yeah. you listen to rap? He goes, yeah, it's by black people mostly. They're usually pretty angry, but sometimes they talk about <laughs> sex. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> describing. <laughs> yeah. Augustus Crew. Uh, uh, what a British name. That's ooh. Ali's. That's the actor who plays Ali. No, well, that's Ali, not the dad, though. Yeah, I know that, but I'm just, I'm, I found Ali. Just calm down. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Oh, you're still looking, okay. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I, we're gonna go I didn't know if you were going on there. Um, and oh, Maybe there Tim you go. Rice. Good Maybe for Tim you. Rice is his dad. And Augustus Prue is gay. Good for him. Oh, good for him. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so that's so blast from the past. And he's gay. Well, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my lucky star. <laughs> no, I'm not saying it. <laughs> Oh uh, boy, a jacket! <laughs> jacket! <laughs> I want there's that as a, a I want that as a t-shirt. Are, oh boy, a jacket! <laughs> there are a handful of movies that I feel like we could recap a second time and have just as much fun. Uh, Blast from the Past is one of them. <laughs> I was thinking about that today. Actually, I was thinking like, God, I want to do Twister again. Like, what a movie! Yeah. Uh, Rosalind Knight's the mother here. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to find the dad. All right. <laughs> Maybe it is Tim Rice. Who knows? Um, yeah, the, the the introduction to Allie here, like it's so awkward, and uh, the, I mean awkward for multiple reasons. One, he's a very aggressive child, but also when, when the line he has where he goes, "Oh, you know, I can't do anything about it right now." You know, plus I think that Will's pretty keen on your mom. He goes, "She's only keen on me. Yeah. <laughs> she's not keen on him. She's only keen on me." <laughs> But I love like the apology when, when, uh, Will, cause again, Will, this is where I say like, Will's actually a tough character, even though he's presented as kind of wimp and, and is in some situations. Cause this kid has basically gone nuts on him. This is, yeah. we're, we're almost, you know, subtly, uh, led to believe that this is one of his bullies from school. Cause he recognized him. him. We know earlier in some of yeah, the scenes, he, if you pay attention, you do see him. Yeah. And we know that like everybody in school bullies this kid. I mean, the, the only two friends he had, we missed that scene earlier on. Were the only two friends he had where they're like, yeah, so we don't want to hang out with you anymore because everybody makes fun of us because they make fun of you. So no offense, but see you later. So like everybody uh, is picking on this kid, but he, he leaves and he's not like storming. Marcus isn't storming out upset. He's just storming out. He's like, yeah, that kid's nuts. And yeah. I was like, no, you got to come back. And he goes, yeah, but he basically threatened to cut my head off or something like that. He goes, did he really? It's like, no, but, but I mean, he could have. <laughs> he said like, he'll cut me up in, and put me in the floorboards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But like when he comes back in, it's like, Ali, do you have somebody to say, sorry, Marcus? And he goes, yeah, it's all right. Like, he's just so not bothered by it. Um, yeah, Marcus is like one of the best, as far as child characters go, it's not just like Nicholas Holt's performance is fantastic. He's just, he's such an unlikely child character because he's so well-written. He's so yeah. realistic. And there's so much, so much dimensions to him. Usually we get a very complex character like this. Like, let's take Juno, right? To me, Juno, this is why I say Juno was a quirky movie in this because Juno seemed to be like in a fantasy world where 
teenagers were that clever and witty. And it's like, nobody was that witty. They were dumb. Like we're all dumb as teenagers. Like to him, to me, Marcus is dumb, but he's smart. Exactly. (laughs) Some of us never grow out of it. Uh, Some of you never grow out of it. Sorry. Um, But yeah. Yeah. I mean, Rachel Weiss. Wow. Whew, what a woman. Sorry, <laughs> like, yum. <laughs> Exclamation mark. Yum, is she on underline. your five? Like your cheat list? Is she on your five? I mean, she's if she's not in top five, she's close. <laughs> and I, I I will have no problem suggesting one of her movies tonight just because now I'm in a mood. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Don't watch the favorite. Just because just she's a lesbian, yeah, it's, it's, not, it's a shit movie. <laughs> Still haven't mummy, watched the rest uh, of that. Mummy Returns. Skip the Mummy 3 because she's not in it. I, I, yeah, I've not seen the Mummy Three. I think maybe because I didn't want to see her not in it's it, a, but um, it's okay. Also, I just want to point out that I missed the Madonna line earlier on. Oh, hey, Madonna, go on, give us a song. Um, so <laughs> how did I miss the Madonna line? Um, I love, I love when they're picking on a kid. They call him Madonna, so Madonna is an insult, is what you're well, saying. Well, they also call him Britney at the same time. What are you trying to say that there? You like Britney? Well, I, I wouldn't listen to her music. I like looking at her. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a perv, Colin. <laughs> Do you follow her on Instagram? She posts like naked pictures every day of herself. <laughs> Is she I feel back for on Brittany. Instagram? Yeah, I just I, there's something not right there with her. Like I can't like I, I'm all on board the I'm all on board the free Britney train. But like since she's been free, I'm kind of yeah, like it's kind of see why she was under a conservation yeah. ship. Like exactly, you know, yeah. <laughs> there's two sides of the mean. story. <laughs> like yeah, like even her wedding. Like, I was all for, like, her and Madonna kissing again. That was kind of hot. But at the same time, like, like my wedding was only, like, 10 people in a tiny little cove because of COVID, but my wedding looked more elaborate than fucking Britney Spears' <laughs> wedding. Like, I love the woman. I love her so much, but, like, I just want to – I hope she's okay. Like, Look, I mean, Kevin Federline got custody of their kids. That shows you who – <laughs> was the, the the more dangerous parent, <laughs> and and the guy that she married for like fifty hours, all of a sudden came back into the picture oh, yeah. to try and kill her. <laughs> like, I mean, again, like there's a level to being like like there's a reason why she had a conservation <laughs> ship, like controversial. Anyway, um, I might go through to the end of the movie here because basically it's gonna be. Will's a little bit sad that he's kind of broken up with Rachel. Which, let's be honest, we'd all be sad if Rachel Weiss broke up with us. Not Daniel Craig, though. That man's beautiful. He'd, he'd bounce back the next day. He's got a nice enough ass. Come on. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> how would that be? Rachel Weiss and Daniel, they're never going to break up. They're, no, they're I mean, the- they should have. Th- these are two people who can get whoever they want yeah. at any moment they want. They can snap their fingers. The fact that, what, 12 years later now they're still together, they're together for life. I just want to put, like, like, if you are James Bond, you were like set for life on the lady front. Like it doesn't matter. Like if mm-hmm. I play James Bond, me, I would be <laughs> set for life. But like pretty much every single James Bond has turned out to be quite loyal and stable with their their loved one. Like Sean Connery was with his wife for a long time. He slapped her around a bit so she didn't leave. Um, I know we went over Roger Moore had a couple of wives. One of them went a bit crazy and like burn a house down with love letters in it. Um, but like then he was with someone for quite some time. Timothy Dalton, I don't actually know, but I mean that man's probably with someone for a long time. Uh, Daniel Craig, Rachel Ash, a long time. George Lazby, he's single. He's always still just the, yeah. he's the one who's actually James Bond still, flirting with Australian TV hosts and all that kind of stuff. But the one that I love is Pierce Brosnan because, like, 
obviously, sadly, his first wife passed away. But then he's like, he literally, like, he's the Jamie Hilding of James Bond actors because he's always, every year without fail, on his wife's birthday, he's all like, oh, I love you so much. Yeah. Did you see the photo that's kind of went viral in the last week of Pierce Brosnan? So there's, like, a photo of him, like, obviously, like, somewhere on holiday and the paparazzi have got a photo of him as his wife's climbing out of the water in like a swimsuit and he's perving on his wife. It's yeah. like just Pierce Brosnan perving on his wife. <laughs> I'm like, ah, there he you is. Know, this is, uh, it's not going to include Hugh Grant or Daniel Craig, sadly, but uh, there's this, this, it's big, like the probably the biggest online poll of just regular people ever on who is the sexiest man alive. Not People Magazine is going to award this, but like massive online poll worldwide, who's the sexiest man alive. Henry Cavill easily came in number one. Um, some other notable people on there, Idris Elba was apparently in the top five. Um, Pierce Brosnan was number 11 or something like that at his Where age. Where is this list? What's, was, what website was this on? I, I just look up Henry Cavill, sexiest man alive, and maybe you'll find it. If you find it, just tell me your reaction when you see number five and tell me if this didn't happen in the Survivor Oz days. But let's let's think about, what was it Mike Barassi uh, <laughs> making the sexiest survivors list? Hey, uh, <laughs> that was still true. <laughs> I, if, if you find it, let me know. I Yeah, I don't, nothing's coming up as a new list. As I just type in sexiest man alive, Henry Cavill, it's just like from 2018, Pinterest.com. Henry Cavill is the sexiest man on earth. <laughs> um, uh, one from 2013, he was voted sexiest man alive. Um, yeah, anyway, you can find that. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll tell you who it is though, Don. People like Henry Cavill are number one. Hugh Jackman's on the list, right? Pierce Brosnan's still almost in the top 10. Um, Danny DeVito made number five. <laughs> so there was a campaign hey, out there. <laughs> that man's beautiful. That man's funny enough the, that I'd fuck him. Who, whoever the Mike Barassi backers were, they were behind Danny DeVito on this poll. <laughs> I watched like I think when I was in New York, I, I watched like two or three episodes of um It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I actually wouldn't mind watching more of that. It seems quite a funny show. And he's hilarious. Like he's just like apparently I heard like stories about how they got him in the show because he only joined like season two or season three, but like he's he's funny. Danny DeVito, what a uh, treasure that man is. Uh, this is again. Uh, complete sidebar here, but uh, somebody else was telling me that they've been watching. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. And uh, they were saying like, Oh yeah, I've gotten through this many episodes, but there's several episodes from the first season that Disney doesn't have. I'm like, Oh, so is this like, you know, there, there's some type of rights issue or that uh, Disney, you know, decided it wasn't appropriate for Disney plus or whatever. And they're like, well, look up the episode titles of season one and you'll know which ones aren't included on Disney plus. Most of these episode titles, I'm going to assume uh, are probably not Disney friendly, but there is episode titles. Uh, it's always sunny on TV. Charlie gets cancer. Uh, uh, episode two, the gang gets racist. Episode three, Charlie wants an abortion. Episode three, <laughs> underage drinking, a national concern. Episode four, Charlie has cancer. Uh, episode five, gun fever. Episode six, the gang finds a dead guy. Episode seven, Charlie got molested. No. Um, so take your guess, which ones Disney plus doesn't want to include from season one. Fun story. There's a chapter in my autobiography called that. So, um, Charlie yeah. got molested. <laughs> what was, what was that? Charlie? What was that video of Charlie bit my finger or whatever it was? Gotta <laughs> <laughs> say, Charlie Day, um, he was Bosco's brother in Third Watch. And so now he's like obviously a pretty big deal comedy guy, but like pretty serious in Third Watch. So, like, uh, gone on to bigger and better things, obviously, outside of Third Watch, but, uh, 
Charlie Day, that's a man. I like Charlie. Do you like Charlie Day? I mean, I don't mind him. He's funny. But again, I haven't seen him what he's most famous for. So maybe my opinion would be a glowing recommendation if I actually watch that show. Indeed. Um, I don't even know how we got on this tangent. Welcome to the Ultimate Network. Um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, Will Sad, Rachel Weiss is dumped in. That's right, because Daniel Craig, yeah, that, that's where we get it. Um, uh, Marcus is coming a little bit cool at school because he's hanging out with Ellie. Uh, but then obviously he's seeing his mum starting to cry again, so he's starting to get a little bit worried that his uh, mum is going to go down that path again. So he decides to sign up for the concert and he's going to sing because earlier in the movie we didn't mention a pretty important line when his mum said, like, when you sing, the angels appear or something like that. He obviously, yeah. you know, which, again, it's just like these, I didn't sing, my mother never said that to me, but, like, certain things, and I'm sure you had it with your, your mother or anyone, oh, yeah. where, like, they will say things to you where it's like, this means the world to me, which like, if I said to you or anybody else, everyone's like, fuck, like, what the fuck is that? Like, you're terrible at that, Ben. But like, it's certain things like that where you know it like means something to them. So it's kind of like, yeah. oh, like my mum listened to what I did. Like she listened to my radio shows and podcasts. The only person in my love life, love life, but like family connections, like whatever, you know what I mean? Who has ever given a shit about this, what I'm doing right now, every relationship. I legitimately was a breakfast radio host in Hobart for how many years? And Louise would drive to work every morning and have the radio on in the car every day. <laughs> did you listen to me uh, this morning? Oh no, I was listening to CFM. Cool. Thanks. <laughs> Every morning she would be cho- her fiance was on radio every morning, but she listened to rival stations. So that's the crap I had to put up with. Um, <laughs> like you could hear it in Mallory's voice. Like the last two years she ever appeared on this show or The Brink, she didn't give a shit. Um, but like my mum always did. So like things like that. It's like always. My dad doesn't give a shit. I'm like, Dad, I interviewed Fran Dresser. Oh, okay. Like. <laughs> I interviewed Fred Dresser. Like, oh, you're sure? It's, it's the same my thing bedroom, here. Like, in your house. <laughs> it's the same thing here. Like, I, I I can remember my mom listening to Survivor Oz, and my mom would leave me voicemails like, I heard an episode that you were on a Survivor show. I'm like, great. <laughs> you're the my, one listening. There was a uh, late, he, he passed away uh, last year, but like a, a legend of Australian TV, Bert Newton, um, you know, he, he was just an icon and he came to Hobart and was in like a the stage production of Greece. And I got to like interview him. I got to go to his hotel and like interview him. So like it was all in person, everything like that. And my mum was like, oh my God, I love Bert Newton. Like, you know, whatever. And like, generally I wouldn't bring up that sort of stuff. But like this time around, I literally said like, like this is on like recording of the interview. I'm like, oh, like, by the way, Bert, my mum, she's a big fan. And he literally gets there and goes, oh, what's your mum's name? And he's just like, he just says this whole, like, long message to my mum, like, live on this interview. And then my mum had that on her phone and would just replay that to, like, death. Like, I was like, oh, you know, Bert Newton saying all this stuff about me. Like, oh, you know, love to you and all the family. Like, it was such a nice man. But just, anyway, the point is, mothers are great. I- <laughs> okay. <laughs> Spouses they can care. be too. I mean, <laughs> J- Jamie has really taken to uh, the Off the Podium podcast. She really seems to like that. Other stuff we do, she couldn't care less about. It's so funny because I remember she she was like replying to a post on Instagram of some band that she listened to. She's like, the singer replied to me, a famous person acknowledged my existence. And I'm like, wow. So you know who I interviewed in the last <laughs> month and a half? And I started listing names of people who were like very famous, not like some guy in a band. And she goes, oh, that's cool. Like you could listen to it if you want. (laughs) We've kind of talked to some pretty famous people. And it's like, no, but look, this guy replied to me. I'm like, good for you. 
I was having dinner with my family the other night and I mentioned to them that I was going to be having a meeting with a prominent sporting organisation <laughs> on this planet for a potential job. And they were just like, oh, okay. And I'm like, yeah. did you not hear what I said? Like... Hello! <laughs> you know, it's like he's like Back to the Future. Hello, hello, McFly, yeah. McFly. <laughs> so in anyway. other words, thank God for mothers. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, so uh, he's going to sing in this uh, concert. Uh, he kind of has a fight with Will because he goes around there and is basically like, oh, you know, I'm going to sing in this. And Will's all grumpy and he's all basically like, you know, like, go away and then have a fight. Like, oh, yeah, you deserve to be alone because no one likes you because you're a terrible person. Um, so this is going to set Will off on his little, uh, moment where I like how he kind of puts on his one hit wonders, listens to Santa super slay and kind of like it all like clicks for him. Position. <laughs> like he kind of goes through this uh, monologue here about units, but then he kind of, I like this little moment where he basically says like, you know, Oh, but it was all for nothing. Like I, there was one thing that I wanted and it's like, Oh, he misses Marcus. And it's kind of like, it's a nice little moment where obviously he's lonely and he realizes that Marcus has now come into his life and he, he wants him involved. He's his only friend. So he's going to try and save him from embarrassing himself um, at uh, performing this live. So I love how like he rushes over to uh, Marcus's house. You know, he's all worried about Tony Collette trying to kill herself again. So he goes back to spat and they're all like, Oh, I need to talk to you. No, it's all right. This is a circle of trust. No, no, no. Like, really, I need to talk to you. No, this, you can, whatever you can say here, you can say in front of everyone. Please don't try and commit suicide again. <laughs> <laughs> so I, th- I think this is why they, like, don't mention it until this moment. Like, they kind of, like, sort of sidestep around it until yeah. this moment. Uh, so I love how she's kind of like, you could have, like, you know, that was really embarrassing. Uh, so he's all like, 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 you know, look, you know, please don't do it. And she's all like, look, I'm not going to do it. Don't worry. And then he's like, oh, you know, I'm going to go see Marcus perform at the thing today. So uh, he actually doesn't know that he's performing at the the thing, sorry, until now. So mm-hmm. he rushes to save the day. And this is a, like another one of those realization moments where they're driving and he's basically saying to her, like, no, like you're instilling all these kind of things into him. You know, he doesn't want this. He doesn't want that. You, you force him to do this. And I love how she kind of like realizes it. And she's like, oh, like, am I a bad mother? And he's like, no, you're not a bad mother. You're just kind of batshit crazy. But like, Bar- Barking <laughs> lunatic. <laughs> like, I love that line. Like, it's, again, it's like, it's all very serious, heavy stuff, but kind of like it's done in such a comedic way where it just, it works. Um, so he rushes off to the the school performance. He sees Rachel Weiss slightly awkwardly there for a moment. Um, and then Marx is about to come on stage. He's paid some kid like five bucks to use a recorder. Uh, I think we dodged a bullet with that. Uh, poor old Marcus comes out on stage, uh, just as Will gives him a little bit of a, a I love how like kind of Will's like going like, no, don't go on stage. Don't do this. And Marcus is like, no, this is for my mum. This is my mum. It's like, oh, but my bandmate left. It's like, oh, good. Like you can do this. It's like, oh, but, but no, I have to, I can't go on. It's like, oh, sure. Make an excuse. Say they like overdose on drugs or something like that. That works all the time. <laughs> you know, the, the full, the full line here. I love it. Where it's like, um, uh, say it was artistic differences. Say you can't work without him. Say he had a drug problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so funny. like Hugh Grant's just got such a way, like, and like, I mean, yeah, like he does this in his bumbling buffoon days, but like, he just got a way of just like delivering things so nonchalantly where it just works. And like, even the back and forth here with the principal, the principal, what does he say? Like, come on, Marcus, you Wally. Like, you Wally. <laughs> Dick principal, but then I just kind of like how like um, you graduate like oh shut off like it's so British. 
I was like, come on, Marcus, you Wally. <laughs> I know, like, I, I, I know it's called Where's Waldo in your part of the world, but for us, it's Where's Wally. So, like, um, you know, there's that. So he comes out on stage, starts singing it. Um, it's awkward. It's cringeworthy. We've all been in these moments where we've had to do something in front of a crowd. I mean, I'm doing this right now in front of both our listeners, and I'm feeling all awkward. Um, and then... Hugh Grant saves the day by coming on stage with the guitar, saves it, everybody cheers. And I love Hugh Grant just, like, losing track of things and he just starts going, like, oh, oh, like, you know, <laughs> With his eyes closed. And he's like, and I realised at that moment that I was becoming everything that I hate. I closed my eyes and everything. And then, like, he gets stuff thrown in him. And then I love him. He's like, all right, come on, off stage, off stage. Come on, quickly go, off we go, off we go. Like, it's just so funny. Um, and then basically that's kind of the end of that bit. We get a lovely little moment between him and his mum. It's a nice little bit here where she's basically like, look, you know, I'm okay. And she's like, oh, let's, let's go to McDonald's. And it's like, no, no, no. It's like, oh, come on. You don't want to murder a Big Mac. And it's like, oh no, another time. And it's like, oh, gives him a bit of a hug. And then fast forward to Christmas, we get Hugh Grant saying basically like, oh, and things were back to normal. But normal now is Rachel Weiss kissing him on the lips. This is Colin's during Christmas. Mm. Hanging out with uh, little Marcus on the couch who's done his hair all of a sudden. Again, reminds me of the Mighty Ducks because it's like, what's wrong with your hair? It looks like you just got out of the shower. <laughs> <laughs> Ali's, uh, Ali's hanging around here. Uh, Ellie's there as well. We don't know if they're like girlfriend or boyfriend or not. Uh, Hugh Grant setting up uh, Tony Collette with uh, Amnesty International guy. <laughs> that was the situation in Burma. Uh, we're only missing the um, the mum uh, here, sadly. Uh, and then it kind of um, ends with a weird little moment where Nicholas Holt stares into the camera and smiles. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, the that, freeze like, frames, very 2002. That's, that's very weird. And then we end with ipso facto da, 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 about a boy. Great song. Um, but yeah, I've <laughs> something to talk about. I've skimmed through like the last 20 or so minutes here, but I mean, really like I've covered it all. There's nothing really major yeah. here I feel I've missed, but uh, it's a great, like it's a great ending. And I think kind of like it's, it's a perfect ending. The relationship still between him and Marcus, like it works well. He's obviously now in a relationship with Rachel Weiss. Like the whole gang's together. It's sort of, you know, just always, I love kind of like Ali going like, oh, you know, you're going to marry my mum. And it's like, oh, I used to think that I want Will to marry my mum. It's like, ew, really? Like what the hell's going on there? Um, so yeah, like I, it's a perfect ending to a perfect movie. Let's be honest. Like it is, it is what should be a very generic ending and predictable formulaic ending but yet they they do a couple things that just they almost flip it on its head from doing mm. formulaic because obviously you think this is going to be oh well everything's you know horrible so this kid's going to do some brave act and you expect it to end in everybody's going to laugh at him but it's going to turn out that he's going to be greater will's going to come out there and save him and everybody's going to cheer what i love best about this is that i'll get to a second from what from will's point of view but he goes out there and people are laughing at him as they should. And Will comes out there and he basically just like, Hey, you're not going to be the only one they laugh at. It's not, it doesn't end in everybody like, yeah, hooray. It kind of ends in like, wow, that was weird. But without Will even realizing it, Will in Will's mind, he's going in there saying, I'm going to go out there just so he doesn't have to be by himself. And then when he realizes, well, we're not that bad. That's when he decides it's my concert. (laughs) I'm going to take, they love me. They really love me. But then he realizes, no, you're actually making things worse. So 
this is one of those moments where he's like, he thinks he's cooler than he is. <laughs> and Every then episode of Double O Seven with no <laughs> exactly. On board. Yeah, this is why Ben is Will. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, when 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 he suddenly gets to the point where he's like, no, I did a good job. It's like, no, you actually just instead of going out there just to support Marcus so he's not alone, you've gone out there and made sure you were worse than Marcus, which made yep. him look better. So you think this is supposed to be an ending of happy ending. He goes out there and you know Marcus is brave and Will saves him and everybody loves him. It's like, no, everybody just hates Will more. <laughs> so it, it, it's not at all the way you expect it to be. Uh, and even just Marcus, uh, I mentioned, you know, kind of putting two to do together, at least more than subconsciously for the first time. That that scene earlier on, did you always know I was going to be a vegetarian? That's why this scene where he signs up for the, the concert and she's like, well, but he has a lovely voice. It's like to you, maybe, but not to a bunch of eighth graders. And then she says he's just expressing something. No, what he's doing is he's expressing you. And that's when she's like, oh, God, what did I do? <laughs> you know, because because that's what she didn't want in the earlier scene. That was the whole vegetarian talk and all that. Uh, another thing that I, I never quite connected the dots on the scene earlier on with Rachel Weiss, where she was uh, talking about, oh, yeah, you know, Marcus kind of reminds me of you. You know, he dresses like you and Will's like, uh, really? Yeah. I don't, he takes I don't think we dress alike at all. <laughs> yeah, he takes offense to it. But then when you get to the end of the movie, you have, again, kind of turn that scene around where Marcus is making fun of Will's shoes. He goes, are those your new shoes or trainers, as you said, right? Yeah. Goes, Why? What's wrong with them? Like, okay, Marcus is all of a sudden the one who's like, you're the loser guy. You know, I'll teach you a few things. You, you mentioned trainers earlier, like such a British thing. Uh, what are they called for in your part of the world, Australia? Shoes, sneakers, runners, runners, maybe probably yeah, just runners. See, it, that's here. It would be like that runners or running shoes. Maybe I have somebody call it sneakers, but like the weirdest thing is in America is that it seems like the majority of the time they call them tennis shoes, which mm. I don't know anybody in America that plays tennis. Like everybody will run, but why yeah. do they specifically call them tennis shoes when nobody's playing tennis? You know, it's, it's the bizarre thing. I'd, yeah, it's, I'd say runners. Like it's, it's all, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, generally, it's just a. I need new shoes. What do you need? Mm-hmm. Sneakers slash runners, um, or like I need dress shoes or something like that. And uh, it's also like like a brand thing. Like, oh, I need to get a new pair of Nikes, or I need a new pair of Adidas, or something like that. <laughs> Sketchers. Um, <laughs> yeah, Doc Martens. Remember Doc Martens? My sister was oh, obsessed yeah. with them. Yeah, jeez. That's like it's um, runners, but it's fancy. It's like Blunson. Like Blunson's a proud Tasmanian company. Um, but yeah, you just say I need a new pair of Blunsons. So we call them Blunnies. I need a new pair of Blunnies. Um, so, do you have Blunsons? I have. No, these ones are like I, I spent like I don't know two hundred something dollars so I could have proper running shoes. What are these? Hoka. Oh. Um, but I've I also got have... Asics is a big brand here. Asics, like basics with no B. I I have my two pair of Air Jordans that I basically. These are my purple ones. Uh, so, and I have a pair of dress shoes. So, yes, gold. Look at me. Oh, I'm so <laughs> hipster. Gold shoes. Those are your new trainers. All right. Uh, uh, yeah. There's also a line here. I don't remember exactly where it fits in, but where he, is this? Marcus says to Fiona, "Shut up, you wounded soul, or you you're wounding my soul, or something like that." Sure, I didn't write that one down, but uh, I wrote it I'll down. read a quote I here that I wrote. Um, nice hairy jumper, yeah, Yeti costume. <laughs> Shedgrass, is he Moroccan? <laughs> um, I, I'm sort of torn on the, the last scene, and I always feel like this one gets me like I, this movie could have just ended with the 
McDonald's scene or whatever and let that be the end of it. I get like, it's fun to see where the characters would be, but you kind of get the feeling that like Will and Yum are going to get back together. You kind of get the impression that like, okay, Fiona is going to sort everything out. Marcus is going to be cool. People are going to like him. Like all that stuff's implied. And I don't know if we need the last scene on there to, to clearly, like everybody is together at the exact same moment to show how much everything worked out. Uh, I still don't know if I like that. I don't mind it. It's kind of interesting, but I don't know if we need it at all. Uh, hey, how else did you end it though? You end it just on the McDonald's scene. So that's, yeah. that's an end to the movie. Maybe yeah. have Will driving away with them. No. Like, again, I'm not saying it's bad. It's just, it, it's such a, typical movie thing to I, I mean a book will do that the final chapter this is what happened but it's the it's big just like, daddy oh, ending it. it reminds me of big daddy if you remember the ending of that no but like uh, it's kind of like is that the whole movie adam sandler's like hanging out with a kid in the end obviously it's the real dad like uh john stewart's the dad so he comes in and then they're oh yeah, yeah. Now I having christmas or whatever together and they're hanging out and they're, but they're still friends yeah. so like yeah literally is big daddy yeah but it's it's not, it's not terrible but it's okay uh, the, the the tv show again is more like this. It's more, oh, Who look is? at how things work out. Yeah, the guy in the TV show, I don't know if I've ever seen him in anything else before. Like to me, he was he was like, you know, obviously a handsome guy, but he was like, he was what Will thinks he obviously is. Obviously a handsome guy. <laughs> well, look, look, like I mean, the whole point is, I mean, Hugh Grant's obviously a handsome guy. You know, he has to be able to get Very women. Handsome guy. But but the in the TV show, like the guy, the way he played it. It was like he was the way Will thinks of himself, you know, like everybody thought, oh, this is the most handsome guy there is. And he's so charming. Uh, he wasn't quite a loser enough in it, you know. Um, I can't oh, even the show's oldish now. I thought it was fairly recent. Uh, yeah, it lasts like two David seasons. Walton. Never yeah, heard of him. sure. Um, and Benjamin Stockham is the, is Marcus. And I mean, the only important part is Mini Driver, yeah. But me and Mini Driver was Oh, Leslie it, yeah. Bibb was a recurring character. I like Leslie oh, Bibb. Oh, yeah, that's right. I, and I don't Dak Shepard. So. I like Dak Shepard. I remember him. Was he on he it? Was, I don't remember. He was a recurring character. Cricket Wampler. That's a name. <laughs> uh, David Walton. He looks Smurf like... It. David Walton looks like John Stamos Diet. Um <laughs> Diet John Diet Stamos. Stamos. <laughs> um, yeah, I've not seen... He was in... Burlesque. He was Mark the DJ. Oh, when are we doing burlesque, Colin? <laughs> Cher and Christina? Come on. We do Cher month. <laughs> hey, she's an Academy Award winner. We could do um Stuck on You. Can I just I was thinking about that the other day. Random tangent. Have you ever seen Stuck on You? Yeah. Great movie. Uh Frankie Muni is in it, randomly sleeping with Cher. Um <laughs> yeah. child actor sleeping with Cher. Why is that never cancelled? <laughs> like I mean, it's a movie about conjoined twins that is a comedy. There's probably more cancelable things in that movie. I, I liked it, though. I mean, I don't think I've Greg seen Kinnear. it. Greg Kinnear. That's, that's a great... I like Greg Kinnear. Matt Damon. What a man. What a man. What a man. But uh, I don't know if I have anything else to add on here. I mean, uh, the, the, the whole concert ending, this also to me is... like Love Actually, you mentioned, came out, what, like a year after this. There's some similarities between this Love Actually, you know, the the whole... Uh, son thing, the father thing, the 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 kid at the concert at the end. Um, love actually is like what you expect the ending of this to be. You know, uh, everything works out in the concert. The kid's a great drummer. The the girl for whatever reasons into him, uh, even though she's like ten years older than he is. Uh, uh, this is like the anti one of that. 
I yeah, I I agree to a point, but like I also feel that like it's not cliche ending because it's kind of like you have the concert, you have the kind of nice little moment. It's just it's literally like a two minute scene of just like cool and everything worked out. Like that's all like you need. Like I feel it ends perfectly. Like I don't I don't see yeah. how else you could. I don't think it would work if you just had them walk because then you'd be like, oh, like well, what it's happened an, to Will? Like it's I just an, I kind of like it. It's an epilogue that I don't think this movie necessarily needed an epilogue. That's, I think, more my problem. One thing I do want to talk about, the, the recorder. I Did you did you have to play recorders in school? That's like the didn't first instrument to, you get. but I think, like, I did. And you can rent it from, like, the, yeah, like, God, everyone hates it. And you can buy it for, like, $2 on the dollar store now, basically. Yeah, it, it's it's basically what you introduce kids in music class, the first instrument you play. It's, like, it's three notes. I don't know if anybody can yeah. this, but it's funny because... The recorder we had, my brother, as we got older, he used to play it through his nose. So he, there's a song, the only song anybody ever remembers is a song called Hot Cross Buns here. Oh, yeah. And yeah. he would he would play Hot Cross Buns through his nose. It's funny because his mouth would always be gaping wide open. And so funny because wow. when we went on our honeymoon, we, we decided to get like some uh, some actual hand-carved uh, Caribbean uh, recorders or whatever they had there. And I brought back from my brother, all three of our full of girls or whatever. And it took like a week. And he's like, yeah, we hid those recorders. Now I see why everybody hated me playing the recorder through my nose they so are, much. Yeah. They are the word. Like um, I like these like TikTok comedy videos where it's like things that are shit. They play with like recorders. So like, um, I was a big Formula One fan. Formula One has like a theme. So like um, whenever they do like memes or like crap moments in Formula One, you hear somebody like playing the Formula One theme with a recorder. Uh, and it's just like, it's just to make it sound like almost like a shit moment. So yeah, I um, my sister played it more than I did. But um, yeah, I played it for a little bit. I'm just seeing here, I could buy the About a Boy novel for $8 on eBay. Um, but uh, yeah, maybe one day. I'll forget that I watched this like today and I'll go back to reading Bond. Um, oh, you know, uh, another trivia thing I read about this, um, apparently in the novel, like the setting is the mid nineties. So Kurt Cobain's death actually plays a big part and it. it's actually not Mr. Cal uh, world music. It's Nirvana that hmm. uh, will kind of introduces will to, and that's what him and Ellie are talking about. And it has a lot to do with Kurt Cobain's suicide as well, but uh, well, obviously was- 2002, that's irrelevant now. It was like tr- the um. I think with Fever Pitch, it was like that wasn't even a story. That was like based on Nick Hornby's like I think obsession with whatever football team he went for. Mm. So I think that was like technically a non-fiction book as well. So that was interesting. Um, this was nominated for an Oscar. Uh, so it was nominated for best adapted screenplay, uh, and also at the British Academy Film Awards and the Golden Globes. Uh, Hugh Grant was actually nominated for a Best Actor for Musical or Comedy, and it was nominated for Best Motion Picture Musical or Comedy at the Golden Globes that year. Uh, so it lost to the Oscars. It lost to the pianist. <laughs> penis. Um, also nominated that year was Adaptation, Chicago, and The Hours. Uh, I've seen The Pianist. I remember watching that. I actually yeah. enjoyed that movie. Very um, good. I always forget that that's a really good movie. Uh, did Chicago win Best Picture? I always forget it Chicago did, unfortunately, won Best Picture. Yeah. Th- th- that's one of those years that, um, you know, it's, it's nothing against Chicago, but you get these movies that'll win Best Picture and everybody's like, well, it should have gone to this. And Road to Perdition, I don't think Road to Perdition even got nominated for Best Picture. It got like a bunch of nominations, but not that. 
but Road to Perdition has kind of become like the go-to, hey, how come Road to Perdition didn't get nominated or win Best Picture that year? Such a competitive, it's funny because I was thinking like, about a boy should have gotten more nominations that I still maintain. It should have gotten nominated for a ton more awards, but mm. 2002, I mean, that was the year, what gangs in New York. And uh, mm. like he said, adaptation, uh, there were so many movies like road to perdition in Chicago. that were just such massive deals that a small British movie, British comedy that came out, you know, what eight months before the end of the year probably didn't stand as much of a chance. I was looking at this list going, cause I didn't actually realize I've never seen adaptation, but I didn't realize Meryl Streep was in it. Um, and oh, I was yeah. like, how did she not get nominated for an Oscar? She did. Uh, <laughs> best Supporting Actress. Uh, Chris Cooper Riley. won for that too. John C. Riley, um, Academy Award. Oh, he nominee. got nominated for Chicago, right? Oh, Chris Cooper. He was, uh, wasn't he the dad in American Beauty? American Beauty, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the Golden Globes, Battle Boy lost to Chicago. Uh, also nominated, uh, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. We might be talking about that in a couple uh, of weeks. Adaptation and Nicholas Nickleby. Um, and Hugh Grant lost to the esteemed Richard Gere in Chicago. Uh, also nominated Nicolas Cage. Uh, woo! Um, Adam Sandler was nominated, uh, for Punk Drunk Love, Punch Drunk Love. And, uh, Kieran Culkin, not for the one that we'll be talking about. Uh, is he the one in science? Is he the... Culkin in he, science, or is that a different is. science? Or Rory Culkin, maybe. No, it's Rory Culkin. No, different one. Different Culkin. Yeah. How many Culkins are there? Um, <laughs> which can I? I think I talked about the fact that Macaulay Culkin was in one of the seasons of American Horror Story uh, recently. Oh, um, was he? Actually, not too bad as an adult actor. So he kind of played like a like a crack addicted like male prostitute, um, but like he actually was pretty good. So <laughs> it was like, oh, there's Macaulay Culkin. Um, so, yeah, Richard Gere in Chicago. I mean, I've never seen Chicago, so I don't know if that's worth it or not, but no, no opinion on that. Yeah, cool. That's all right. Um, <laughs> oh, and Tony Collette <laughs> was also nominated for a Best Actress in a Supporting Role at the British Film Academy Film Awards of that year, um, and she lost to Catherine Zeta-Jones in Chicago. <laughs> um, Julianne Moore was nominated for The Hours, Meryl Streep for Adaptation, Queen Latifah. And the best adapted screenplay lost to adaptation at those awards. So there you go. Didn't win any awards. Nominated for a bunch, well, a few here and there. Uh, critically, this has ninety three percent on Rotten Tomatoes. There you wow. go. Um, the critical one says about a boy benefits tremendously from Hugh Grant's. As I bang my microphone, well done, Ben. Uh, tremendously from Hugh Grant's late performance, as well as a funny moving story that tugs at the heartstrings without tilting into tricycle. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, Metacritic assigned the film weighted average of 75 out of 100. Audiences gave it a B plus. That's a bit underwhelming. Um, the American Film Institute listed it as one of the 10 best movies of the year, uh, which I can find out the other movies that year that were on that list. Uh, About Schmidt, Adaptation, Antoine Fisher, Chicago, Frida, Gangs of New York, The Hours, the Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, and The Quiet American. Would you agree with those? Yeah, that's seriously, that just shows what a good year 2002 was. And uh, for those playing at home, the top 10 television programs of 2002, according to the Australia, American Film Institute, The Believer. Never heard of that one. What's The Believer? Uh, had Ryan Gosling in it. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> Boomtown. I remember Boomtown. Was that that one where it was like, 
I think it was like a th- you had three acts in every episode and you saw like the perspective of like there was a crime in every episode. Like you saw like the first 20 minutes was like the crime. The next 20 minutes was like the cops. And then the next 20 minutes was like the media or something. It was really cool. Like it was, it was, didn't last very long. So I remember that. It's like law and order, but with three things, it's like yeah, law, order and media. <laughs> like everything like was the perspective of like, you saw the same thing happen, but each act was like the perspective of it was either the media or the law. I don't know. It was, it was interesting. Uh, door to door. Never heard of it. Uh, apparently had William H. Macy in it. Kira Cedric, Mrs. Bacon. Oh, there you go. Um, Everybody Loves Raymond, The Gathering Storm. Oh, Never that's the that. Winston Churchill miniseries. Okay. Uh, Gilmore Girls. Fuck off. This list is irrelevant already. Uh, the, <laughs> the Simpsons, Six Feet Under, The Sopranos, and The West Wing. Uh, so there you go. Um, reviews. Uh, Roger Ebert said... Observed that Cary Grant department is understaffed and Hugh Grant shows here that he is more than a star. He is a resource. Um, his third Golden Globe nomination. Has he ever won one? Like, that's crazy. Did um, I think I'm he won something? I was say for that. For, for... Well, I'll find it. But I thought I think he won something for that very British scandal thing. Uh, oh, no, you're right. He won for four winnings and a funeral. Um, oh no, that was British Academy. British, so he won. Okay, best actor in a lead role, Fortnite's funeral. He did win in goggles. So he's been nominated for one, two, three, four, five, six Golden Globes, and he's only ever won one, and that was for four weddings in a funeral. Since then, got nominated for Notting Hill, deservedly. About a boy didn't win. Florence Foster Jenkins didn't win, uh, and they were all for musical, uh, musical or comedy. And then he got nominated for Best Actor in a Miniseries or Television Film for a Very English Scandal in 2019. And then for 2021, he lost in The Undoing. So he nominated for two Emmys, uh, four SAG Awards, never an Oscar though. Sad. Um, New Yorker Zerba said the film gets most of its laughs from the evolved expertise of Hugh Grant in playing characters that audiences enjoy, seeing taking down a peg or two as punishment for philandering and womanizing and simply being too handsome for words. And with English accent besides, in the end, the film comes over as a messy delight. Messy delight, really? Thanks to skill, generosity, and good sport punching bag. Um, it says here, about a boy also marked a notable change in Grant's boyish look. Now 41, he looks good for 41, uh, he had lost weight and abandoned his trademarked floppy hair. Entertainment Weekly's Owen Glieberman took note of Grant's maturation in his review, saying he looked noticeably older and that it looked good on him. Uh, I wouldn't say he looked older. Like, he looks, I wouldn't have said he looked 41. He, lo- so. he definitely looks thinner, though. It's kind of weird because he's not, he, he's always like a, a trim guy, but I can see what they mean about losing weight for this movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Jeffrey Wright, by the way, I'm just uh, at the AFI Awards of 2002. Uh, Jeffrey Wright, a very young Jeffrey Wright, I can imagine, 2002, won Actor of the Year. Angels in, in America. Uh, no, Martin Luther King in Boycott. What? Yeah. Did you know? He played he Martin Luther that? King? He did in Boycott. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey Wright. Now, well, is that the Jeffrey... same year as is that the same year as Angels in America? Because I remember being the same time period. Because I was like, Jeffrey Wright comes out of nowhere and suddenly this you know massive I deal. It. I I don't know. Um. So do we want to do box office or keywords? What do you want to do here? Do box office. Box Are you asking which office. I'm doing? Because I'm going to say neither. 
Okay, well, I know I meant like just in general. Uh, domestically, this made $41,385,278. <laughs> $89,164,177. For a worldwide gross of $130,549,455. For the year, it came in all the way down in the spot that is 56th. So I believe this will be the lowest of all the four movies that we're doing, no doubt. I think so, yeah. Because uh, my we'll big two top ten ones probably. Fifth, Science, Fourth. Panic Room is 26th. Uh, so, yeah, so this beat, what did this beat? A Walk to Remember, Mandy Moore. Uh, <laughs> Orange County, wasn't that a Jack Black movie? Um, oh, yeah. Gosford Park, Blue Crush. God, don't we remember that? Uh, the Master of Disguise, I Am Sam. Resident Evil only made $40 million. Collateral Damage, oh, poor Arnie. Um, forty days and forty nights. Josh Hartnett's oh. only making thirty-seven million. Crossroads. Oh, poor <laughs> Brittany. Um, Jimmy Neutron. Boy Genius. I remember Louise used to love that movie. <laughs> I Spy only made thirty-three million dollars. Come on, one-hour photos. I mean, even the lower-tier movies here are great. Kate Leopold, Queen of the Damned, Swim Fan. I knew somebody at school was obsessed with that movie. <laughs> um, the Hot Chick. Ali, Ali, whatever. Um, Ali, as in G. The country, the country bears. <laughs> Listen to our what's the face, what's his face interview to hear more about that. <laughs> um, it opened uh, the same weekend as Star Wars episode two, as you said. So it opened with eight million dollars, fourth on this list. So it opened behind Star Wars Episode Two, Spider Man in its third week, still making forty five million dollars. So basically, Spider Man in its third week made the entire run of about a boy. <laughs> Uh, an unfaithful what in its second week made ten million dollars. Who's going? Like, oh, oh I want to go see Diane Lane or whatever it was in Unfaithful. Gear. God, what a movie! Um, <laughs> what else opened that weekend? Uh, all the way down in fifty sixth place. Late Marriage opened with thirty one thousand dollars. The Believer opened with twenty six thousand, and all the way down the very bottom in seventy seventh place. Standing by Yourself opened in one <laughs> cinema. Oh, uh, no, one... No, it did open in one cinema and still made $2,200. What the hell? Standing by yourself. Uh, documentary on two alienated teenagers in a downward narcoticized spiral. It's standing by yourself, but it's about two teenagers. <laughs> it can't really be... This is like in the, the, the Airheads movie, the Brendan Fraser one. It's like, there's three of you. You can't be the lone ranger. <laughs> yeah. Just looking at the top ten, like obviously two of these we're about to do, but we have done Spider-Man. Uh, we have done Back Star Wars Episode 2. We will not do Harry Potter and the Chamber. Well, maybe one day. Signs are about to do. My Big Fat Greek Wedding we're about to do. Lord of the Rings will fucking shoot me and I'll free my year up. Uh, Austin Powers and Gold Member I'd love to do. I'll probably do that more on 007. Men in Black 2, we're set to do that soon. Uh, Ice Age and A Beautiful Mind. So uh, even of that top 10, I have seen all of those with the exception of I don't think I've ever seen Ice Age and I don't think I've seen A Beautiful Mind. I've seen half of A Beautiful Mind, bits and pieces, and I fell asleep in half of The Two Towers. But other than that, I've yeah. seen all the others. Yeah. You have seen you you saw you saw Before the Mind Got Beautiful. That was the problem. Um, <laughs> if you had finished the movie, you'd get it. Die Another Day, only 13th. Boo! But look at the competition, though. Because, like, again, Die Another Day was, like, the highest grossing Bond film of all time, but that just shows how competitive this year was. It nearly got beaten by Lilo and Stitch. Fuck off. Oh, that's one of Casper's favorite movies. It got beaten by Scooby-Doo. Screw Ugh. you, Scooby-Doo. 
Triple X only finished six million dollars behind Die Another Day. Wow. Uh, Minority Report seventeenth. Mr. Deeds nineteenth. Uh, well, the the top twenty five movies that year made over a hundred million dollars. So there you go. Um, plot keywords. Plot keywords. Uh, single Mother Month. Bullying Month. Lie Month. Um, doorbell Month. Let's do Doorbell Month. Um, featuring Last Night in Soho. Uh, don't Look Up. Legend and the Silence of the Lambs. I'd be down for the Silence of the Lambs. famous doorbell scene in the Silence of the Lambs. Stolen Shoes Month. Um, <laughs> featuring Samurai Jack, About a Boy, Mirror Mirror and Sullivan's Travels. Not Gulliver's Travels, Sullivan's Travels. Uh, oh, Dead Duck Month. Uh, <laughs> featuring Exodus, Gods and Kings, Weird Science, Barbarella and About a Boy. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> wow, isn't that funny? I, I know I visualized our graphic <laughs> social media. This <laughs> is dead duck <laughs> we gotta do these one of these can we just can we just make the social media post and then put it out there with the polls like which ones do I see do we put dead duck I think I think you can do that graphic and make a t-shirt of it I'd like the image of that dead duck floating in the pond in this movie <laughs> wow Colin, Colin, loving dead duck. That's a great idea for a T-shirt, at least. I think maybe like we need to do like all the Mighty Ducks actors who have died. Dead duck month. Um, <laughs> I don't think I've seen you laugh this hard before. Um, oh, I, I probably just have never pictured the visual of the graphic. <laughs> wow. Um, here's one for me. Twelve-year-old boy month. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Featuring Jurassic World. When, those, yeah. when you get like authored by or whatever Ben Water. <laughs> Jurassic World, Camp Cretaceous, Gifted, <laughs> Antlers, and Catherine. I can't pronounce that word. Um, wow. Um, t- yeah. Okay. I can't. I don't think we can top Dead Duck Month. Uh, oh, <laughs> reference to Madonna Month. Uh, <laughs> Here that we go. <laughs> Featuring Hocus Pocus. That's why you don't like that movie. Um, oh, no, I got another reason. Senior Year, Bohemian Rhapsody, and Leon the Professional. Oh, I don't remember Natalie Portman being in a movie mentioning Madonna. So, okay, <laughs> two movies you hate clearly because of Madonna references in it. Um, this, this is a long list. Um, let's do uh, reference to Madonna Year. All the way down to the top. There's 394 titles on this list. <laughs> wow. Um, I'm down. All right. Um, user reviews now. I mean, this is a very well-reviewed film, so I guess we do bad reviews? Yeah. Um, show all. One-star review. All right. There are six one-star reviews on IMDb. I'll just read the headlines. One of the worst book adaptations ever. Stay away from this film and better read the book. Very dry, horrible, hugely enjoyable and well acted for one star. What? (laughs) (laughs) Somebody needs to explain math to this person. And then one star review by C. 
male Georges uh, simply says trash. See, and it see says through malegeorges.com. Worst movie I've ever seen. I wish I could forget that it exists, but every damn Christmas it's back on TV. Uh, Battle Boys, a <laughs> Christmas, Christmas movie. Are they forgetting so, that this is not love, actually? This is the only movie he is ever, well, they have ever reviewed. Um, so good for them. Okay, so I just want to read this here. Roger Gately, one out of ten. Hugely enjoyable and well acted. This film does justice to the book. The fact that it dealt with difficult issues in such a sensitive and yet humorous manner is a big plus point. This is Hugh Grant. Okay, I think they've accidentally given that a one-star review. Yeah. Um. So, yes, Horrible by Sam Hotch. While I believe that Grant put on a great performance, but overall, I think this movie was horrible. Annoying characters and subpar acting. Avoid this movie at all costs. It is a only a waste of time. I almost walked out on five occasions. <laughs> what did you get to like first, first occasion? No, no, maybe I'll watch a little bit more. Second, oh, I'm going to watch. No, I'm a bit more. Third, okay, no, no, I'm a little bit more. Fourth, oh, it's a dead duck. Fifth, okay, no, no, no. no. So, like five occasions and you decide to stay. Um. Anyway, uh, I'm buying this movie, Colin. I'm buying it too. I did buy it. I own it. I, I used to, but I got rid of all my DVDs, but I put this on my computer. Um, I would rank this at number one right now of these movies. <laughs> I, I agree. Realistically, this will come out as my number one this month because, uh, spoiler alert, this made my top 50 movies of all time. Number 11. Now, uh, I had this just below Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back, um, and just above The Mighty Ducks. What would you rather watch? This Star Wars Episode Five: The Empire Strikes Back or The Mighty Ducks? I, 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 I'd probably put this above The Mighty Ducks, but that's three really strong movies. Obviously, Star Wars would be number one. I'm just looking here now. Like, this is just me getting my way with clearly everything. Looking at my top 12 now, done Jurassic Park. We've done Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Haven't done Back to the Future. I'm surprised we've never done the Back to the Future movies, Colin. Mm-hmm. How have we not done the Back to the Future movies? Back to the Future is coming to Broadway next year. I'm very sad that I'm not there anymore, so I'll have to come back. Uh, we've done The World Is Not Enough on 007. We've done Return of the Jedi. We've done Cool Runnings. We haven't done Independence Day. Uh, we've done GoldenEye on 007. We've done Twister. We've done The Empire Strikes Back. We've done About a Boy. We've done The Mighty Ducks. We've done Titanic. We haven't done Zoolander, and we haven't done The Truman Show. That's where it kind of dies. We've done The Santa Claus. We haven't done Dumb and Dumber. We haven't done Dante's Peak. We haven't done Rush Hour, and we haven't done Mrs. Doubtfire. That's my top 20. So uh, a few there that we have talked about doing. I feel like every one of those movies think- we've always talked about doing. Is that the truth? I think there's, I think there's about more that. on mine I know that we haven't done. You know, it's funny, talking about ranking, I mean, this will be my number one for now anyways. I'm trying to think, I'm like, did are any of the four movies we're covering this month in my top 50 favorite movies episode we did? But I don't think so. I'm actually thinking, you know, if you count Star Wars, which really I chose to include one per franchise, but I would have had Star Wars on there. I'm pretty sure I had Minority Report and Spider-Man on my list, but uh Again, that's just how good this year is that like movies like Signs and My Big Fat Greek Wedding and About a Boy wouldn't even necessarily be in my favorites of all time. They might not even all necessarily be in my top five of that year because there's just so many movies. I thought I had Panic Room in my top 50, but I didn't. Uh, the only two 2002 movies I've got on my list are About a Boy and Spider-Man. Um, so there's that. Uh, can I just put on an early one for uh, anniversary month for next year? Mm. 25th anniversary of the Truman Show, just saying, next year, 2003. It is, you're right. Yeah, and I, it did. It yes, was rushed, absolutely. Was rushed, yeah, rushed next year's 10 years as well. I was thinking mm-hmm. rushed to 2014. So Maybe we rushed do 1998 the, month. Rushed, well, rushed to 2013, so that's a 10-year 
uh, anniversary, oh, but okay. we could do 90 and 98. Would I thought you meant, I, when you said rush, I was hearing rush hour, which was 1998. Oh, it was. Yeah. Well, okay. There's three. I'm saying right now, the Truman show <laughs> rush hour rush. Um, so yeah, anyway. Um, yeah. Bye-bye. Uh, done. Uh, anything else to add before we look ahead to next week? No, I'm excited for next week. Next week's the one that I probably watched the most out of all these movies. Are we talking signs? Because that's what I've got. We are talking list. signs. We're talking signs. Are we talking signs? Now, um, signs, signs this, is, everywhere, signs. this is the only one of this month that I've seen at the movies. I saw it twice at the movies. Um, I'm like, I've seen how many M. Night Shyamalan Malone movies? I think I've only seen two. I think I've only seen this and The Sixth Sense. Uh, I do not like The Sixth Sense. I think it's garbage. I just didn't get the... Okay, fair enough. I saw it years after I didn't get the twist and all that kind of stuff because I knew the twist. But I just... I watched it like, this is crap. I don't get why people love this movie. But I loved Signs. Uh, I just... There was something about this movie that I loved. Saw it twice. I have... I've never really watched a lot of horror movies and I guess this isn't like horror horror movies. But the one time I have ever watched a film where I shat myself to the point where I was like that guy and wanted to walk out of the cinema five times. There is one scene in this movie that I have never been more scared in a movie in my entire life, and I legitimately nearly ran out of the movies I was that scared. Um, So this is the one movie where I, like, if people say, what's the scariest movie you've ever seen? I'm like, Signs. Like, there's (laughs) one scene in Signs where I fucking shat myself. Never ever, even when I, every time I watch this movie to this point, I still get a bit of a heart flutter. Th- mm-hmm. This and the Jaws scene when the, the body comes out of nowhere in the boat. To this day, no matter how many times I've seen those movies, shit myself. So, yeah, you know the scene I'm talking about. But, yeah, yeah I love Signs. Mel Gibson. Is this our first ever Mel Gibson movie we've ever done? I think so because, I mean, we've never done the Lethal Weapon movies. There's something when Lethal Weapon 5 comes out, we should do the first four. They're doing Lethal a Lethal Weapon 5? Yeah, Mel Gibson's directing it. Oh, God, I did not know that. Anyway, I'm like, look. It's kind of popular again to say you like Mel Gibson. He got cancer, but he's kind of back now. Um, <laughs> proud Australia, like he was the biggest thing in Australia, and he's not even technically fucking Australian. But like before, we had like the Hugh Jackmans and the Chris Hemsworths and the Nicole Kidman. Well, I mean Nicole Kidman sort of was around about this time too. Mel Gibson was the biggest thing. Like he was our yeah. biggest celebrity. He was huge. Um, so yeah, and Joaquin Phoenix, love him. Uh, Abigail Breslin, but we're gonna be careful what we say. She's very little yeah. in this movie. <laughs> and the Culkin that we forgot. Um, also watch out for a future president in twenty four in this mm-hmm. movie. Um, and lots of good aliens. But I and, love science. Mate, Great movie. And then mate Shyamalan himself. Well, isn't he always in all of his movies? Yeah, this is I think the most dialogue he actually gets when he gives himself like a full scene. Uh, but uh, no, I mean, this movie's fantastic. I think one of the reasons it's movie fantastic, one of the reasons why the scene you're talking about is so scary is because this movie is deceptively funny. Uh, mm. It's actually like there's a lot of humor in this that's, that's dry humor. It's funny because Shyamalan is often criticized for not knowing how to do humor in movies. I mean, the last Airbender movie he did, he took what was quite a funny, exciting animated show and somehow stripped it of all of its humor and excitement. Uh, but I think science proves like there's a way where he can do humor and it actually works really well. It's also a very deep movie. Like, and, and there's not a lot to it. People often, what bothers me, and this is where I think uh, we're going to, at least I'm going to go on some rants in the episode is the things people criticize this movie about, like the ending, particularly I'm yeah. like, that's the strongest thing about the ending. Like I, I think yeah. what people criticize is what makes it work. And maybe you have to listen to the episode to hear it, but uh, this movie's fantastic. And is, I, I'm finding more and more, 
Like, yeah, I, I think The Sixth Sense is a solid movie. Uh, I think Unbreakable is a better movie. Uh, th- that's kind of the popular answer. It's like, well, what's the best Shyamalan movie? People will say Unbreakable. They'll say The Sixth Sense or they'll say Split. Signs is always the one where people are almost afraid to admit that that's their favorite. Like, I've run across multiple people who have always been like, oh, you know, I don't care what people say. I think Signs is amazing. People, I don't never really hear anybody say anything bad about Signs. It's just people are almost like ashamed to say that this movie is one of their favorites and they shouldn't be because it's amazing. I always see like there are top 10 lists of like either worst endings or like stupid things in movies that don't make sense. And they always talk about this movie as the ending and why. And like, and I'm with you. Like, yeah, okay. I can kind of see why it's, but I think like M. Sharp Night Shyamalan came out and explained, didn't he? Like how this is. Cause like, I mean, it's not really a spoiler. We're covering it. It's 20 years old. Like the whole thing about water yeah. coming to a planet where the water kills the aliens and like, well, how dumb are they? They come to earth where we're 80% water. Like, but I, I'm pretty sure it's explained or they've explained this some way or another, but like, like, I mean, yeah. My explanation for it is always, there are a million things in our environments that kill us. And we as humans, you're like, well, you got to weigh the pros and cons. I mean, the aliens aren't going to find that many planets that can support their life. And if there's something on the planet that's going to kill them, it's no different than, people who live in the jungle where there's bugs or, or snakes that are going to kill them. I mean, you're in Australia or a spider's going to kill you. I mean, aliens watching movies of our planet would be like, why would anybody live in Australia? Look, the bugs would kill them. Well, not just aliens, most people. But like, I mean, my excuse is, well, like they may not, might not know that water kills them. Like, I mean, we could land on Mars, you know, in a few years time yeah. and there could be something on that planet that is like it's like the red sand on that planet. Like it's a red planet. Like oh yeah, it's just it's just red sand. But like you literally could touch that sand and you could die in five seconds. We don't know. So like I yeah. mean, not not the, just you know, there's any air. We don't know. Like <laughs> it's yeah. Um, but like we'll, I, we'll get I'm into a, it more next week. I'm a massive Alien fan. Like I love all things Alien, and I've never seen the movie Alien. So go figure. <laughs> but like um, so I, I got really excited for this movie. So I'm oh like an Alien invasion movie. So yeah, I'm excited to talk about this. This is I agree with you. Like I'm not. I don't really follow the M Night Shyamalan, you know, filmography. But like I always seem like this movie does seemingly get forgotten about because this was a huge film in 2002. Clearly, oh. it was like what well, fourth on that box office list. But like yeah. at the time, it was media everything about it. But now it's. Kind of, it's kind of like the nip tuck of movies. It was big for five minutes, and everybody forgets about it that it was a thing. So, yeah, bring on signs. I say, bring it on. yeah, exactly. Uh, bring it on. What year was that released? Two thousand was it? Sure. <laughs> yeah, Kirsten Dunst, Elijah Dushku, whatever Ooh, it is. Yeah, can't, can't complain one. about that. Um, <laughs> but uh, this has been a lot of fun. I, I I didn't research before this if we're the first ever podcast to do an episode on about a boy. Uh, but if we are, yay, go us. If not, then don't listen to those ones. They suck. Uh, do all the stuff at the end with the Patreon and all that kind of stuff. Um, obviously, we've got Breaking Bad happening at the moment, 24 happening. Hopefully, Lost will be returning in about a month. Get excited for that. And other great things happening on our other shows as well. Off the Podium, the Commonwealth Games. Weren't they fantastic? <sighs> so, um, so good that Canada finally... They still are good. I think they're still going, aren't they? They, it's the first week of August. They probably still are. I don't know. <laughs> um, but go Team Canada and Australia. Azerbaijan. Screw England. Um, and 007's great. Eurovision's pretty decent. Australian Survivor Archives is happening. And The Brink, featuring hopefully Colin Hilding. Good as well. Uh, my name is Ben, and are we having Duck Delicious? <laughs> 
And my name is Colin with seethroughtops.com. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made.